0: Hey guys, brand new podcast. And I want to let you know that our New Year's Eve event, me and my left foot friend and arm, my left foot and arm, Tommy Buns, are doing our live stream New Year's Eve. All you got to do is go to ymastudios.com slash live stream. What is it, Halston? slash live stream? Um, if you go to either of our Instagrams, you'll find a link. Either of our Twitters, you'll find a link. If you can Google it, you'll find a link. It is going to be awesome. It's Going to be an extravaganza. We are starting, I think, at 7:30 our time, which should be 1030 East Coast. And we are going planning on, based on someone's dependency to oxycontin we are planning on going <laughs> until midnight. He may be passed out with his leg up in the air and his arm propped, but we are going hard as fuck. I can't wait. We have got so much good stuff. If you don't know, we have both uh written scripts for pornographies that we are in the process of shooting, hopefully. Come on, COVID. Come on, COVID. Come on, COVID. Uh, the porn industry is, is kind of getting hit hard, harder by COVID than they've been hit by anything else. So we're hoping that we'll get these. Quit laughing, Halston. We'll get, we're hoping we get these uh, shot so that we can show them to you on New Year's. That's our plan, and it's leading up. Obviously, we have the fall footage from Tom Segura's attempted dunk. We have surprises that Tommy doesn't know about that we are setting up, and we have lots of booze, uh, lots and lots of booze. I just got my CT scan from my back for my, uh, my doctor's visit. Uh, I think I talked about that maybe on a podcast. If you're wondering, we have 0% calcium in my heart, zero. I got a perfect score on my heart. My heart is, is shockingly healthy, shockingly healthy. Your boy's going to live forever. Well, let's, let's, let's pause on that. We still have a full blood panel. I just went to the cardiologist today. I will tell you this. And I'm I'm being sincere right now. Definitely uh, sign up for our live stream. But if anything, and, and just take a second and listen to me, if anything, my experience with um, being with Tom through his injuries and going to the hospital with him, seeing our healthcare workers, seeing our first responders, all the people that are dealing with what's going on right now. It made me realize a great deal about health as I smoke a cigar, by the way, I am having a dry December. And what are we, 15 days in? We're going smooth. I feel good. Blood pressure's down. It's perfect right now. Blood pressure, EKG was all perfect. But I noticed I went to a cardiologist. I went to a cardiologist because I've been dodging this motherfucker. I really have. I've been pushing this appointment off because I didn't want to deal with what was the truth. That is a problem with Bertsky. I didn't want to deal with any problems that I had caused on my body and I thought were irreparable. My heart, I didn't want to stint didn't want to go in and then go you have blockage in the Widowmaker. We got to put a stint in. Um, I didn't want to deal with blood pressure issues. I didn't want to deal with a uh, plaque in my, in my, in my, my veins going to my, neck. I didn't want to deal with any of this shit. But I sat with Tommy and I will tell you, I don't mean this lightly. He was like a hero to me watching him deal with his deal with his broken arm and broken knee. I guess he didn't have any other option. I mean, I understand that, but he was just like, let's do it. This is what you do, man. Like, let's, let's get this done. Like very much like very took control of the situation, watching him take control of his health for his family was beyond inspirational for me. It was a very pivotal moment. Uh, I know I've shared this with you the first time I got a CT scan and that basically is a, basically a a scan of your heart. It, It tells you what's going on inside your heart. First time I got there, there was a a sage old woman, uh, African-American woman who said to me, you look scared. And I said, I am. She said, honey, and I, and I want this advice to be imparted on you this New Year's. She said, honey, it's better to walk through those doors than to be wheeled through those doors. And as I sat in the ER with Tom, I watched people get wheeled through those doors, older people dealing with heart issues, dealing with whatever they were dealing with. And I had a change of attitude 100%. And I I locked everything in for the next following week. I locked everything. My CT scan, my cardiologist appointment, I locked it in. I locked it in and I thought, I kept thinking, Tom, he does all this shit. He gets colonoscopy, he does everything. I said, I just need to be as strong as Tom was. And he didn't have a choice. He had broken arms and broken legs. And I hope that this year, if you're like me and you like to party and you like to get loose and you like to eat like shit, and sometimes you like to get on the treadmill and try to try to rectify that situation and you push it hard, do this. Preventive preventative medicine is the key to longevity. Go to your doctor schedule a physical. If you are a man and you are in your 40s, get yourself a cardiologist tomorrow. Here's what you do: next time you're at a party and you're having cocktails, bring up cardiologist to your friends. I did it with a lot of my friends. I I won't say their names, but I've done it with a lot of my friends. And when they say something about, yeah, I don't, I never really had a heart. What I do is I text them and their wife, uh, my cardiologist name. And I let him, I've told him already, I'm sending every comic your way. Every comic that done to a cardiologist, I'm sending them your way. If, If that's your problem, if that's how people die in your family from heart attacks and strokes, like people in my family, you get in front of that fucking bus and then you can be here next year when I go back on tour. That's what I really care about is selling you a ticket. And if you're dead, I can't sell you a ticket. <laughs> Look, there had to be some lightness to it, right? But I'm being serious. Do it for you and your family. Do it for you and your family and stick around. I you cannot express the dread I felt. What is it? I went in Thursday for my CT scan. I felt so much dread going. This is where they tell me, cut him open. They don't do that. They tell you what's going on and then they tell you to adjust your diet, or adjust your lifestyle, or they say, uh, Hey man, we're going to just do a very non-invasive procedure where we're going to put a stint in and they open up those clogged arteries. And then you live and you get to see your kids go to college and graduate and you get to see your grandkids and you get to buy a new house and then you get to live in that new house. This is very important to me. And, and, and trust me, this is like meets. I have really hard issues with this. I have, I turn into a baby. I become a victim, all the shit driving over the hill today. I called, I called, I mean, I called Rogan on my ride to the, I wanted, I wanted some solace in all of this. I called my dad. I called Tommy. I called everyone and I just talked to them to get my mind off. And then I got there and I went through it and I'm on the other side of it. I haven't got my blood results back. Hopefully they'll come back. Fine. We're all knock on wood, but the EKG came back. The CT scan came back and we're halfway out of the woods. Anything else, We can fix anything else we can fix. We got a healthy heart and that's what kills people in my family. So that's my PSA to you. Preventative medicine is, is how you go about staying healthy for your family or the family you don't have yet. Look, if you're overweight and you got that shit in your family and you say, I want to meet a beautiful, go to a cardiologist. They will inspire you to lose weight. They'll get you on the right program. I remember I was fat as fuck and I wanted to meet the woman of my dreams. And I lost A ton of weight got down to 186 pounds and I met Leanne and then I gained all the weight back. But today I went to the doctor and I know that at least she's going to be with me for another nine months. That's when I go back to the cardiologist. I go back every nine months. So it's the reason I'm pescatarian this month. I'm being pescatarian this month because I want to be healthy. I want to lose weight. And for the record, I was 257 when I got off tour. Right now I am 241. So we're down 16 pounds. I'm feeling better. I'm running better. My joints don't hurt. I'm staying hydrated and I'm just eating fish. Eating fish. Ooh. This podcast is brought to you by one of my favorite things I've been using for the past, all of December, Kamikoto knives. I've been pescatarian the majority of of this month. And so I've been getting big chunks of salmon, big chunks of fish, and I've been needing to cut them. And these Kamikoto knives are perfect. They use, they're using traditional techniques to make great kitchen knives. They got to a set of three knives, a heavy-duty cleaver, ultra-sharp steak knives. The steak knives are so s- sharp that literally they, they're they as sharp as the other knives, which I never feel like I find. Everything is great, and they make a great Christmas gift because they come in this beautiful ashen wood box, um, and they are, like I said, they are ridiculously sharp. They cut through a ribeye like butter, and they cut through the skin of a salmon. I take the big, long one and literally... From edge to tip, one slice down through a salmon, and they cut through the skins. They're used by several chefs working at Michelin star restaurants around the world. And like I said, they make great gifts for this Christmas because they come in a wooden box and then that the knives are presented in. And I won't throw the boxes away, which is driving my wife crazy because we have the knives out and then I hold on to the boxes because they're that pretty. I'm like, we'll use them for something else. Also, sharpen them. They come with, I have two of them. This is unopened. This is one of their whetstones and you can go online and find out how to sharpen your knives with a whetstone wet and they're so confident about their knives. Their knives come with a lifetime guarantee. So go ahead and buy right now. Koto is offering our listeners an extra $50 off site wide on top of their biggest sale of the year. All you got to do is go to kamikoto.com slash Burt and use the offer code BERT for an extra $50 off. Kamikoto, that's K-A-M-I-K-O-T-O.com. com slash Bert K-A-M-I-K-O-T-O dot com slash Burt and use the promo code Bert. This podcast is brought to you by Free. Free is a modern nicotine pouch brand, nicotine pouch brand with an emphasis on impact and quality. Free is nicotine white pouches are not derived from tobacco. They're made using tobacco-less premium grade nicotine on the road or on the job. Feel free anytime with their high premium impact white pouches has nicotine never gotten the way of your life i'm sure it has i know that uh i used to be a little bit of a a, a snuff enjoyer and and snuff wasn't something you could take on a plane with you right or 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 do at work well these come in 9 and 12 milligram options higher than any other brand they're available in mint mocha and i think they also have a flavorless pouch they're Absolutely zero usage of tobacco. Other brands say non-tobacco, tobacco-free, but they're still extracting nicotine from the tobacco plant. Free is synthetic and even safer. No irritants from the nitramines in the tobacco plant. Just under $5 a tin, which is pretty nice with 20 pouches per tin. You don't need to spit. No powder leakage inside the tin. They're an American company. designed, managed, and distributed in the U.S., but not manufactured. Most other dip pouch brands are from Sweden ask Mark Marin about that we talked about these delivery systems these are perfect for people who want higher nicotine content pouches and don't want to have to worry about the right amount or have to go back for more people who want a healthier alternative to chewing tobacco or dipping that was Burt Kreiser at one point I am telling you but they will still want the strong feeling people want a seamlessly transition from smoking or vaping while satisfying their desire for oral stimulation and deliver enough nicotine. Wall Street people, golfers, baseballers, coal miners, construction workers, stand-up comedians. And what's great, this price point, dollars a, a 10. And you get a discount of 20% off. So you're ultimately making it, I think it comes out to $398 a 10. Listen, visit Freepouch.com to go purchase some of their brand new products. You can use the discount code FREEBERT, that's F-R-E-B-E-R-T, for 20% off a limited time. I want to thank all our sponsors, that seamless energy right into sponsors. But I do stand by what I say, preventive and a healthy lifestyle. By the way, I'm obsessed with Winston Churchill. (laughs) Okay. I talked about it on Bill Burt. That's why I'm smoking cigars right now, because I watched... Fucking the dark our darkest hour. I think I might talk about it on this podcast. I'm not certain. Uh, this is a great podcast with Pat McGann. We're gonna get to that in a little bit, but I'm obsessed with Winston Churchill. They have a National Winston Churchill Day, but I'm doing my own Winston Churchill Day. January 24th was the day he died. And to celebrate Winston Churchill's death, on January 24th, I'm gonna wake up in my bed. My wife and my daughters are gonna bring in a tray for breakfast and bread. On that tray, there will be an egg over easy. Maybe two, maybe three. There's going to be bacon. There's going to be sausage. I'd like blood sausage, something real British. I'd like a a, a tomato, just half fried, put on the plate. I also on that plate want some water, a juice, some white toast, some butter, some jam, a whiskey, and a cigar. And I will be celebrating January 24th. Get ready for it. January. I might do a live stream event really cheap so we can all do it together. I might do a live, see if Tommy, I bet Tommy can set me up for just doing a solo live stream event that morning. We'll do it that morning, early in the morning. Oh, that would be fun as fuck. And we'll all smoke cigars and have whiskey and read the paper and we'll go through the paper. Maybe we'll just do a podcast. Maybe we'll just, maybe we'll just film it and put it on YouTube. I don't know. But January 20th, check January 24th is the day he died, Alston. Will you check that real quick? Winston Churchill. By the way, I'm obsessed with Winston. I have a list. I have a short list of motherfuckers who did it right. You ready? You ready for my hero shortlist? I'm sure I just wrote it down. Tell me I wrote it down. I did. Hero shortlist. Please add to this hero shortlist. Ernest Hemingway. Boom. Winston Churchill. Boom. Mickey Mantle. Boom. John Daly. Boom. Teddy Roosevelt. Boom. Bill Murray. Those are my heroes. Those are, that's my, that's my, uh, My, my, who I carve into the mountain. If one day I could ever get to be on that list for someone else, I mean the world to me. Those guys inspire me. I'm going to light this cigar and then I'm going to introduce my podcast. Winston Churchill born 1874 died January 24th, 1965 insane. He lived to be 90 years old, 90 years old. Run your own race, motherfuckers. That guy drank whiskey in the morning. He had one. He called him, I think he called him soft whiskeys. Whiskey in the morning, champagne, a bottle of champagne at lunch, and a bottle of champagne at dinner. And that is my January 24th. I want you all to do it with me. We're going to see if we can do it together. We got big plans for 2021. I'm already going over them. I am not touring until. I think June, we're going to start touring again. I've got plans. I think I've talked ad nauseum about these plans, but uh, we're taking some time off. We're getting healthy uh, all through the New Year's. I will be partying New Year's Eve, but that's the only time I'm really drinking this December, and then we'll play it by ear, January, February, March. Uh, hopefully, this vaccine rolls out. Let's talk about Pat McGann. Pat McGann is a fucking hilarious comedian. I first, I first we talk about when we first met. We first met a long time ago, doing press in, in Chicago. He's a Chicago guy. He is a Chicago guy up and down. He is a, a hilarious comedian. I saw him perform at the Forum with Sebastian Maniscalco. Sebastian is and him are, are good friends. They tour together. And I got to be honest with you, man. It really shows you how fucking funny Sebastian is that he has Pat opening for him because I wouldn't want Pat opening for me. This guy is a fucking murderer. You can find all his stuff online. And he has a special right now that's out. It's called uh, uh, Wait Till Mom's Home. Wait till Mom's Home? When's Mom going to be home? When's Mom going to be home? I'm a fucking idiot. When's Mom going to be home? You can find it anywhere. Apple, Amazon. It's anywhere you could watch specials is out there. I saw a bunch of clips on YouTube. You should definitely check them out. We have a great three-hour conversation. Two and a half hour, how long? Two hour, two and a half hour conversation that you're going to love. I'm sure I talk all over him. I'm sure it's the shit you guys hate me or it's the stuff you love. And you're going to love this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, stand-up comedian, hilarious dude, Pat McGann.
1: This is
0: I've, I've been binge watching your stand-up lately. Um, really? I appreciate that, dude. It's not, it's not a, it's, it's not a healthy thing to do as a comic. I don't think like, I feel like, I I feel like I just go, God damn it, man. I'm not writing enough. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I don't watch a lot either for that reason. And because it's like, you know, you start hearing like, Oh man, I wanted to talk about that. Or I had thoughts about that. And, uh...
0: Yeah. And it's especially like a lot of your stuff. Oh, well, I mean, all your stuff's clean. It's not, but it's smart. It's smart, clean. Like, it's not like, uh, it's not clean for the sake of clean. It's smart, clean. And I feel like, I, I feel like the whole time I'm like, why won't he just say pussy or cunt? The whole time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate, you know what though? You know, it's funny is I think that I have become like, when I started out, I was almost intentional about being clean for whatever reason. I just felt like I'm going to work clean and, um, I've become so much less that, and now I just want to like, kind of. I realize after doing it for a while that you just want to be up there having a conversation, being yourself, right? So it's like, I do swear, um, but I'm able to do, you know, the, take them out. And if I have to do corporate gigs or, to, you know, be in a situation where I don't have to, you know, can't use it.
0: How much has your style changed from when you started?
1: I think it's changed a lot. You know, I didn't know really much about it. I just kind of yeah. I started late. I was like 31 and I went to, uh, I thought comedy was zanies in Chicago. Like but you
0: started, you started at 31. Yeah. That makes me so happy. I started late. Man. I started when I was 26 and I always felt like I looked at guys like Dane cook who started when he was like 15 or 16. And I was like, I remember just going like, I I'm just trying to pace myself to catch up with them, you know? Right. Right.
1: But do, do you, do you think that like, were you jealous of that? Or were you, did you come to appreciate that? Like I was a normal person for a long time and can talk about a lot of stuff that I didn't look at through that prism of being a a comic.
0: I was. That's a very interesting question. I was not, I was jealous of it because I thought they know things I don't know. Like I I remember, you know, industry guys, they're like industry comics that are, you know, and this is going to sound, people are going to go bullshit, but Ari Shaffir is an industry comic. He's known the industry more intimate than I have. He knows casting directors. He knows executives. He's got relationships with executives, like close relationships with, I mean, I'm sure at one point, almost all executives, he, I, I've never known that. I've never known. I've always been on the outside and I'm not saying Ari's not on the outside. Ari, I think has forced himself onto the outside at times, but, um, yeah. but I, Dane was someone who knew executives, knew casting direct new people. like, I always felt like those guys knew things I didn't know. And I felt like, so I I always felt really on the outside, like genuinely, genuinely on, on the outside to a fault. And I think it hindered me at the same time. I worked with the guy, I won't say his name, but I worked with a guy who I may, I maybe went to college. I don't know if he went to college, but if he went to college, he didn't have a college experience and he didn't have, he, i'm this guy didn't really grow up very healthy i think he grew up in hollywood a little bit i think his formative years were spent on movie sets and on television sets and doing clubs and i remember watching behavior that i just knew was not acceptable with me and my friends like certain behaviors and i went and i went god man that's gonna I i remember thinking like that's going to fuck him in the long run. Like, you can't act like that. Like, and
1: right. So- I, mean, I remember thinking, like, at 35, like, gosh, if I had started when I was 20, I would be 25 right now. But then I came to appreciate and realize that no, I needed to be, you know, live the, that like that decade, my 20s, um, not as a college. So,
0: wait, what were you doing? Tell me what, what was your life like? Cause mine was I spent was- just in college. I mean, I just was in college for seven years. Yeah. So like, and then I got into comedy, but like, what was your life like? Like, because I also am jealous of guys who like, like Anthony from Opie and Anthony was like a fucking, was a, was an air conditioning fitter. And you're like, I always or, or, or Bill Burr worked on fucking down, down on, in a warehouse putting away pallets. Like oh, I always man. was jealous of guys who had men's jobs because I felt like they were more relatable to an audience.
1: Sure. Yeah. I never had like a hard scramble job like that, but I was in sales. And I sold packaging um, and I was, you know, like a commission sales guy. and It was not really like, I didn't even know how I ended up doing that. I just liked people and I majored in history in college. I thought I was going like coach basketball. Where'd
0: went, you go to right? college?
1: I went to university of Dayton.
0: Really? Yeah. That's you know, like, supposedly I, I'm looking at colleges for my daughter, by the way, shout out. If anyone's got a college sales tip for to send my daughter to the great college. Hit me up. Send send it to bird at birdbirdbird.com. Like if you got a video of you of like I'm all obsessed about colleges right now. But University of Dayton is put down as one of the most fun schools to go to as far as activities there are.
1: That that school is a blast. And it is almost like, you know, when I went to Dayton there was not a lot of Chicago people going there. And now it's like wildfire here. And it is um, in the Midwest. It's just, you know, it's a blast there it's all house parties and it's all open. You don't pay for like, well, I remember going to visit buddies at other colleges and like, hey, it's five bucks a beer over at this house. Or, you know, you want a cup it's 10 bucks at Dayton. It was just like me cost a Everyone just comes in and out the student neighborhood. They call it the ghetto. It's a, it's insanity. I mean, they used to have to like shut it down for St. Patrick's day after a while. Cause the kids were just, you know, going nuts. It's a, it's a party school, but it's a good school too. It's not like, uh, you know, it's not completely out of control and, that, you know, you still get a good education. I
0: think. Hey, flight was flight was developed there. That's where they learned how to fly. Overland. Yeah, the Wright brothers. The Wright yeah. brothers. Hey, wait, wait. How, when how, you grew up in Chicago, right? Yeah. And then where in Chicago? Not that I know Chicago, but like. So I grew up on the South Side. No. You know, I you know,
1: actually I actually met you one time, Bert. You we were in town for uh, you were at the Improv, and you were um, it was at in my neighborhood to give you perspective, so wait. you'll know. Schaumburg is the south side? No, Schaumburg is the northwest suburbs. But remember, it was like a St. Patrick's Day remote.
0: Yes. And you were
1: there with uh, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. And and, um, it was like Friday morning. It was like seven in the morning. And it was a remote for St. Patrick's Day. And that's right where I live. I live in that neighborhood. Oh, really? So that's the south side of Chicago. It's just the last kind of neighborhood in the city. I, the, only I house, and, the only thing i know about firemen
0: the only thing i know about oh yeah because i heard you talk about you talk about like uh um fucking war 19th ward yes yeah yeah um, and that's well, where i live
1: now so it's like a lot of cops and firemen they have residency laws here in chicago middle class irish catholic neighborhood everyone here is like what parish do you live in it's very much like uh you know where'd you go to grammar school where, you know it's it's like a little really? small town in, in in the city it's cool.
0: All I, oh, I as, as I say this, um, I, as, as I, um, God damn it, give me a second. I just got a text from fucking Ari as I, as we speak, Fucking <laughs> being a cunt. It's like yeah. fucking all I know about the South side was D Ray Davis. That's all I knew about the South side.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the South side of like um, the jokes and notes and like the comic, the comedy scene is different than like my neighborhood is not like really attached to that. It's more um, it's, it is pretty diverse here, but it's not like it doesn't have the street credit that like D Ray Davis would have, like being closer to the actual like loop, the downtown area.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I see what you're saying. It's like the Bernie Mac scene, like, you know, yeah, I, I did. I used to do riddles. Was a comedy club in Chicago.
1: Yeah, that was like out in Orland Park.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, it was it was uh, it was an interesting club to start at because it was predominantly black when I worked there, and it was it catered to to it. I mean, that was like they promoted it. It, it was like they were like, yeah, you're you're gonna have a rough weekend, and you're like, oh, really? And he's <laughs> like, oh yeah, it's gonna be really rough for you. You're white. It's gonna be, it's gonna, be, it's gonna be nuts. No, no, no. That was uh. Wait, what was his name? There was Ken Shapanik. No, it and was
1: Brant. Oh, yeah, maybe that I heard that name, but I didn't know him. What year is this, you think?
0: Uh, fuck. 2006. Yeah, yeah. And
1: then whenever you uh, started coming through after that, would
0: be that would be improv. Uh, yeah, I, t- I started working the improvs. Right no, right after I had kids, I started going strictly improv. So it's got to be after two thousand, probably two thousand six, um, because before that I would go into those, I would work all B rooms, and then improv gave me like a brand, like a a, a base offer to leave any B club and go to improvs, and I took it, I was like, I need fucking money.
1: Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I always had a good re- relationship with uh, improv, but it was always strange because I was like the house MC at Zany's, so I never really worked the improv. I would do like privates there sometimes. And I always had a cool relationship with them, but I just, I was kind of had this exclusive deal with Zanies because I was house MC. So it's like, I got to meet so many comics that came through, but if you work the improv and didn't work Zanies, I never really got the chance to like, you know, connect with those comics.
0: I never worked Zanies. A guy named Bert owned it, right? Yeah. He ran it.
1: It was always owned by the, um, Rick Hewitt and his wife, Barb, um, but Bert
0: runs it. It's so funny. I always thought Bert should help out other Berts, but I've never had <laughs> help from another Bert in my entire life. <laughs> really? None I've never. I, I've I've met I've met two Berts in my life. I met three Berts. I met four Berts. I met four Berts. One Bert in comedy. No, in life. In life. In life. In life. I've, I'm sure I've run into a couple, but four Berts. One was in college, and there was this. There was this chick. I'm sure I'm putting him on blast. But there was this chick who, uh, <laughs> who came up to me one time and thought he was in a different fraternity than I was. And we both had the same really good friend. Or we had one friend that was like, uh, that I grew up with, but then he was in a fraternity with. But we were in different fraternities. And she came up to me and I started talking to me, started talking to me and talking about this mutual friend. And I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then she's like, I'll see you, I'll see you tonight. And I said, where? And she was at the party, your fraternity party. And I was like, in my head, I was like, oh, she thinks she must think I'm the other Bert. And I was like, whatever, <laughs> I'm not going to correct her. I was like, okay. I didn't, I didn't like her. I didn't care about her. Yeah, and so yeah. then she came out and, and she kept doing it over and over again. And I would see her. We, we, I think we had an English class together and I would see her all the time. And I would, she consistently thought I was this other Bert. And then I, I ran into the other Bert. And I was like, I can ask you, man, there's a girl who's a, you know, theta or whatever. And she thinks I'm you. And he goes, yeah, no. And I was like, would she think that you're me? And he's like, Yeah. I said, That's crazy. And he goes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fucked her. And so I didn't want to tell her I was me. So I said I was you. I was like, wait, what? He was like, Yeah, I have a girlfriend.
1: <laughs>
0: I go, you I have, have t- a girlfriend too. How can you get away with that? Like it wasn't me that had sex with you, it was the other Bert. She assumed it was the other Bert that she, she was more attracted to him, but just mixed up last names. And then he just went with it, like going. <laughs> I fuck it. I'd rather Bert cheat on his girlfriend than me. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, let me think. And then I met one. I did one a TV show with a one. Um, I did uh, what were the other ones? I, and I did a TV show with one. And then God, I, I met a couple other birds. But yeah, that other Bert, I've always wondered, like, how come he doesn't Bert Sugar? There's a Bert Sugar out there. I was like, how do they not know about me? Like, I know about all the Bert's Bert, Bert right? Burt Baccarat, you know, Bert
1: Forrest. No, who's Bert Borth? He runs a couple of funny bones and uh fuck with Bert comedy, five,
0: me up and yeah, just go just send me a text and be like, yo, Bert, I know the struggle.
1: Like the first two guys I ever booked me were both named Bert. So I was like, dude, comedy is
0: just fucking just filthy with, with these.
1: <laughs> man, this is a, my insane. favorite
0: my favorite line, like I love, I've been trying to pick up lines. Uh this is where my comedy's at right now. I've been trying to pick up lines from the past. And and put them back into um, into my vernacular today. I'm really I don't like tired speech. I don't like that's yeah. the content I'm here for. Or um, just sipping tea. Anything that is common threat, common common usage on the internet, I want to s- steer away from. I don't like the word dope. Uh, I don't like the word lit. I don't like those things. Sick. So it, it bothers me that my daughters use them. No, hold on. Let me rephrase this. I use bad language all the time. I'm all the time. I'm trying to do better. Right. My one that I, uh, that when, when you said it's filthy with these birds, the one I thought was taking a bath in these birds. Ba- that's good. Taking a bath. And then the other one, the one I'm obsessed with is, uh, um, I, I was listening to Ron Reagan talk about his dad, Ronald Reagan. And he said he gave way to low effort thinking. And I thought low effort thinking. Low, how often do I give way to low effort thinking like where I just go where I, low effort thinking really, in, in, in essence, speaks to the Republican Party in the 80s, where it was like blame black people for the problems, blame yeah. minorities for the problems. And that is low effort thinking. It's It, it just really got me thinking like. It is a pandemic. It is that is a pandemic when you as opposed to accept responsibility or maybe. Allow yourself empathy and and figure that things are too complex to kind of put too fine of a point on it. That's another one I'm working. On. Put too fine of a point on it, so yeah. you just give way to low effort thinking. I've been obsessed with lo- trying to re- trying to pull out when I see low effort thinking. Like you know? people
1: just don't want to do the critical thinking. They just so he said that that his father gave into that. Like listen to that. Like, like allow that around him.
0: Yeah, he his, he said that. Yeah, he said that. His dad said the the Democratic Party didn't. I didn't quit on the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party quit on me. Um, and what what he was in essence, in essence saying is that at one point the Democratic Party was was there to build up the working man, right? But then at, at some point, the Democrats realized, oh, black people are also working men, <laughs> yeah. and, and and you know, and and so are so are, are Mexicans, and so those are also working men. So let's build up all working men. And Ronald Reagan, and this is by the way. I've just watched it. I'm watching a documentary on him. I'm obsessed with fucking leaders. I'm obsessed with all leaders of all kinds. And so what what he was in essence saying was that um, he wanted a party that built up the white man. And and that was what the Republican Party did in the 80s. No, listen, no one jumped down my throat. I just watched a documentary. Don't get me started on Stalin or Kim (laughs) Jong Il. By the way, Kim Jong Il. This is, can I tell you this where my head's at? I got... I I you know as a comic I think we always try to see the opposite side of the fence. Yeah. I tried to figure out how This is a rough statement as to work it as a joke. How the Korean North Korean people are to blame for their own oppression, right? Hear me out. This is in this I'm listening to this thing called The Real Dictators. It's a podcast. It is fucking amazing it is amazing in order to control a regime in order in order to to keep control of a regime you have to have your foot on the neck of the people that you are controlling if you don't they will uprise and take you over and they will torture you you will be tortured and killed for your crimes against humanity stalin did it uh papa doc did it Uh, Mussolini. Mussolini that's Hitler it's it's fucking and so Kim Jong-un is the new one Kim Jong-il was a moron uh, apparently his dad the first one Kim Jong-sun I think is his name he was a fucking genius that guy created everything and he really did think he was making what he was making was going to be great Kim Jong-il came in and was like all right man shit's going sideways it's the 90s fucking communism's fallen. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm not getting money anymore. Like my dad got. Fuck. All I know is that if I oppress everybody, then I will stay where I am and I'm, I'm safe. Right. So That's what he did. And he caused one of the biggest famines that the world's ever known. Millions died in that famine. And then his son came in and his son was went to school in the West. And his son was like, I I think was kind of like fuck. Wouldn't it be cool if we had the NBA here? Wouldn't it be cool if we had Disney here? Wouldn't it be cool if we had shit here? But he only has one option. That option is keep his neck. Because if think about this, if you allow people to voice their opinions and to have freedoms, real quick they're gonna go. Let's kill this motherfucker first. And that's and, what
1: happened to Bobby Knight.
0: Right. <laughs> Break it down. Break it down. <laughs> tell, tell me. Keep going.
1: No, Bobby Knight at Indiana was beating the shit out of players, basically, slept, smacking them around, slapping them, and they just all kept their mouth shut for years. It was He was the general. It was yeah. accepted. And then, in the you know, probably I was in college, I think, late '90s, mid '90s, when the coach one of the players was like, "I'm not this is, this is insane." And then rolled the tape. practices were videotaped, and sure enough, Bobby Knight's grabbing the kid by the throat, and, and he was out. You know, once he's he's exposed, once you let that, you know, I mean, think about that. How many operations, isn't that what's happening around us all the time? All these places, these organizations are run by, you know, people that are just basically tyrants. And then once word gets out, it's like, it's all exposed. Makes you think sometimes like, does the shit rise at the top?
0: That's a really good question because then you wonder like, I'm obsessed with success. And I think both of us have witnessed it uh, with in, with our friends, like watch our friends blow up and get big. Yeah, And it's interesting. I think we get a, a unique perspective to see it from the outside and then also experience it sometimes as well. Like performing with, performing with Sebastian at the fucking forum, you fucking murdered, by the way, you murdered. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate you it. Murdered, you murdered. But like, it's, I always say like, I'm very lucky to have watched Friends blow up because it's it it grants you kind of like a to see how they do it. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's why I'm obsessed with this documentary, Real Dictators, because I've, Where's I've watched- Where's this at? It says, it's the podcast. It's so fucking good. It's Everything's a three-part. You hear about before they had success, you hear about when they had success, and then you hear about their downfall. Yeah. And every time you're just like, shut the fuck up. Dude, this is have you seen come. this Reagan
1: show on Showtime? I, I have not that's seen That's the one I'm
0: watching. I'm watching the, one the, more- the Reagan one on Showtime.
1: See, I'm going to get it. I got to check it out. Dude, I'm, I'm really so into It's so fucking
0: stuff. good. It's so good. It's, yeah. You know, I didn't realize. So I'm such an idiot. I don't know anything about politics. And so that's why I don't really ever talk about politics. Although I've talked a great deal about it today. But I know, I don't know anything about it. I didn't realize Reagan's slogan was make America great. Yeah. Oh, he's the mm-hmm. one who
1: coin to make America great again. He's he that's what Trump took yeah. that basically from Yeah, it, make right? America
0: great again was was Reagan. I didn't realize that. I'm sorry. The KKK was make America great. Did you know that? I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. It's, it's called dog whistling. I've, yeah. I'm learning. I feel like all of a sudden I've grown up and wanted to get smarter <laughs> recently.
1: For sure. I dude, I mean, if you want to talk some, uh, you, you know, if you're into this stuff. There's a, um, I love Ken Burns. Do you watch Ken oh, Burns?
0: Oh, I'm just, I'm just, I literally just got off the treadmill. I'm watching the baseball one again. Oh, it's
1: so good. But his Civil War.
0: Oh, my God. Is insanity.
1: Right? right? You've seen that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, I, yeah. here's the thing I would get Ken's Burns documentary on my iPad and I would watch them on planes while I drank. So, like, yeah, yeah. So, like, I would, and then I'd listen to them <laughs> in the hotel room. So, I'd, I'd piece together, like, I've seen, Parts of the Roosevelts, parts of the, like I mean, I've, I've seen enough where I feel like I can I can talk at a bar about stuff, but I might fax Roy's off because I mix the two up. I'm the like, Vietnam one is great. Vietnam's one fucking amazing. Wait, keep going. Tell me more about Ken Burns. No,
1: I just think that he's phenomenal, and that his um, his stuff is just. I mean, if you hear the guy speak, he never hems and haws. It's always just like he's got to be one of the most intelligent guys out there. And I think that his documentaries. I mean, if you weren't having. If you slept through history class your whole life, or, I mean, just the things that he touches on, it's like, if Ken Burns is talking about it, then we need to listen. Because, you know, despite the bangs, the guy actually is a a smart fucker. And he's just, to me, so impartial, so just no agenda other than here is what happened. I mean, I actually pulled up the Civil War one uh, just during this last few months, all this shit going on. And you watch it and it's just like, it's insane. And it's a lot of the same things that are going on even still today, the differences yeah. in, in States and it's, it's, it's madness.
0: a lot of it, a lot of it still is. It's interesting. Why weren't we interested in school when we were kids? Yeah. Right. I mean, like, I mean, I'm so fascinated by like, you know, it's, it's interesting is that, you know, you hear all this talk about, you know, the Democratic Party wants to turn the world into socialists or whatever, turn America into socialists. And then you look at like the the path of so, of socialism and communism was just it was one way. I mean, it was like it was like, yo, all right, let's the rich just take advantage of everyone else. And let's just fucking let's just r- run this until it goes into the ground. I mean, not right. one of them succeeded.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's. um you know, a lot of that's going on in our, in, in Chicago and in my neighborhood too, where we have people that are, um, you know, have benefited from unions and some of them are like anti-union now. Like, it's crazy how they, um, I think the backbone of so much of it is what you're hearing probably about in these dictator podcasts. It's the working class. It's the, the people in the trenches. Like that's who most of the messaging is, is geared towards. Right. Cause a lot yeah. of people are just going to be like, we're good. I make so much money a year. I don't want to be taxed too much. And uh, that's the, the only issue they vote on.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Quip. Quip has the best tasting toothpaste in the world. I will just say that right now. When was the last time you got rewarded for brushing your teeth? Well, with Quip's new smart electric toothbrush, good habits can earn you great perks like free products, gift cards, and more. I love technology. I love technology to track my status. And, and if you told me the technology could add to things I do every day and I could get rewards. What, what, I mean, what are we talking about? You probably heard me talk about quip a million times. Well, this is something brand new that rewards you in your mouth. Quip smart brush for adults and kids connects you with the quip app on your Bluetooth tracks, how well, and when you brush, you can get tips, coaching to improve your habit, earn points for daily brushing bonus points for completing challenges like streaks. We should all be doing this rewards. Get redeemed like free products, gift cards, discounts from Quip and their partners. Do you already have a Quip like me? We'll upgrade it with a smart motor and keep your features you know and love. Sensitive sonic vibrations with a two-minute timer with 30-second pulses. So you do... And they have that multi-use travel cover that doubles as a mirror mount that I absolutely love. And did I mention their toothpaste? Their toothpaste, I have a weird thing about toothpaste. I don't like taste. Their toothpaste, the mint one, is not too much mint, just enough pay. I love it. The ingredients for strong, healthy teeth. And they have floss that expands to clean and comes with a refillable, dispenser to reduce waste eco-friendly solar battery charging power to power your quip with sunshine and let's not forget the refresh brag to bring you good oral cares and habits wherever you go for me i just shove the top on my quip throw it in my bag with the toothpaste and then when i get on the tour bus i pull the top off on the mirror Quip on the mirror i never forget about it join the over 5 million mouths who use quip and save hundreds compared to other bluetooth brushes when you get quip smart brush for just 45 dollars Start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today and go to getquip.com slash BirdCast right now to get your first refill for free. That's your first refill for free at getquip.com slash BirdCast. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash BirdCast. Quip, better oral health made simple and rewarding. I'd like to thank my sponsor, Whoop, fully charged, baby. Can you see that? Fuck yeah. With 2020 coming to an end, we're all thinking about getting healthier this year. I know for a fact 2020 for me is going to be my fucking year. We're going to be outdoors. We're going to be with people. I want to be lean and healthy, and I do that with my WHOOP. WHOOP is great for measuring and tracking and quantifying behavioral changes, whether you're looking to participate in dry January or a dry December like this guy, or just improve your overall shape. Hit your next personal best. WHOOP is the best personal fitness tracker you can achieve to help those goals it provides 24/7 personalized insights that quantify how well i am sleeping, performing and recovering. It's literally like having a personal trainer on your wrist for less than a dollar a day. It knows so much about me. When i wake up, when i get a i get a recovery score that lets me know then how ready my body is to perform is to perform that day or how much rest it's needed. I go straight to the strain coach. I get a targeted exertion goal Aimed on and based and aimed on my recovery from that evening. So it lets me know how hard I should be working out. And based on how intense your day is, it lets you know how much sleep your body's going to need to recover. A lot of times, if I have stuff early in the morning, I will be sitting on my couch and I'll go right to my whoop and go, What time do I need to go to bed? And it tells me it is the best fitness tracker memberships I've ever seen. And for just $30 a month, you get personalized insights 24 7 that quantify the data to help you better understand your body on a deeper level. Whoop goes beyond just tracking calories and heart rates It monitors sleep, strain, and recovery with personalized feedbacks all in real time within their app. It's the big reason I recommend it to anyone trying to achieve any fitness goals this New Year's, whether it's a New Year's resolution, resolution or what. Just trying to build a better, healthier habits in general. For my listeners, if you've been thinking about giving Whoop a shot, this is their best deal to try it out and see if it's for you. Get your first month of Whoop for free when you sign up for their six-month membership. Head over to W-H-O-O-P dot com slash Burtcast to get started for zero dollars. Join Whoop today. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter this season and beyond. You know, it's, it's funny. I wonder, how do you feel about... I feel like I vote out of my interest, if that makes sense. Like... You vote more for... Like,
1: Hey, I'm not, I, I, I want this to be a good business here. I want, I want, I want our country to be like a good shop, but I don't really want to run it, but I'm going to vote for the people who I think are going to cater to everybody or, or try and push things forward. Like, well, I'm think, not an activist, but I think I vote more for like out of, uh, the greater good than like, you know, the bottom line.
0: I remember when I was a kid, I was sat in the car with my dad. And I said something about taxes. I I don't know how old I was. And my dad said, nobody, The And this is like just stuck with me. He said, your obligation when you get money is to help the less fortunate. That's your obligation. That's why you got to be cool with paying taxes. Your life's great. Pay extra taxes. It's fine. I remember remember just very casually said that to me. And so when, you know, all my friends started leaving uh, L.A., they said mostly because of the way L.A. was run. I would argue it's got to be state taxes. For a lot of them, it, it was a benefit. Um, they were just making so many millions of dollars. I, I know that that they were just like it. It's I'm giving millions of dollars to a a state that I feel like is not running it properly. Um, and that's all right. I didn't feel like I. I didn't feel I felt my responsibility was to stay here and to pay the taxes. I felt like I know that's stupid, and I and I voted for all the people that were going to increase my taxes. Like I yeah, of, I mean.
1: Is it stupid? I mean, or is it, you know, long-term, maybe the best thing. I mean, the infrastructure around everywhere is shit. I mean, you travel the country, right? I do too. And you can see it. It's, it's, it's needs help in a way. It's not going to fix itself. Like, I don't, I don't know. I never want to be like, you know, about the taxes. And sometimes I think, you know, when you, um, you know, the trickle down thing doesn't seem to ever work. Mm -mm. And that was always the, uh,
0: no, they the platform just, they just buy yachts. I mean, yeah. like, listen, look, I'll tell you, I'll be, I'll be real candid. I have a little money and I just buy nicer shit. Right. If you didn't tax me, I would just buy even nicer. shit. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a fucking asshole here, but like, like if you, I wouldn't just start opening new businesses to help people. <laughs> I wouldn't be putting up hand-washing <laughs> under, under buses for homeless people so they didn't get COVID? I would just be like, oh, cool, I'm getting a bigger house.
1: <laughs> What's the craziest shit you bought? Um, what did you have your eye on? What were you like, dude, if I ever, like, when I start selling out theaters and fucking had my own tour bus, I'm going to, by the way, you got to love that bus. I see you on that bus. That, that's up your alley, huh?
0: Yeah, I wonder. I don't. Oh, yeah, don't even get. I, I tell you, <laughs> the most extravagant thing I've ever done was get a tour bus. Is that like, and I didn't buy it, but I I rented it. But yeah. just just doing that was like a big. You know, it was a big goal for me. Was because I never understood. I always believed that as a comic, you're you're, and maybe this goes back to my what what I believe my politics are or whatever they are. Is I believe my responsibility was to not bring an opener to go into local markets and to, to foster local scenes by giving people opportunities to work where shows were sold. So to foster the scene, so local sure. comics could still work. Because if everyone brings their own comic, then no local comic ever is around. And then there's two scenes, LA and New York. You either move there and hopefully be a friend of headliner and work, or you just don't ever fucking work. Right, yeah. So I, I believe that. And I had some fucking piece of shit open I mean, <laughs> like... <laughs> I had of course so bad, so bad that like so bad that like, and, and no one was no club owner was ever empathetic to the headliner that they were unaware who they were. Didn't book Hollywood had brought in cause they have to pay their tax to the improv or pay their tax or their, or the owner brought in and the manager didn't know you. So they brought in a fucking banana strong fucking, the guy
1: going up before you is taking his shirt off. You're like, what the fuck is this? Dude,
0: <laughs> Jason Wrestler. Jason Wrestler. He was so fucking funny and so fucking strong. And the na- manager at Laughs Unlimited, it was actually the green room in San Francisco, but she was the same manager. Her name was Leslie. She brought in Jason Wrestler because almost to like show me that like LA comedy sucked. And he oh, was yeah. so. He, and he forgot he was featuring and he, he did his time. He didn't go over time, but he forgot he was featuring and didn't bring me on stage. Just said, uh, I'm going to be out uh, selling merch. If you guys want to come out after my set, I'll say <laughs> like, just forgot that he was, cause he was a headliner. Yeah, and so yeah. he got on stage, like half the room walked out with him. And I was like, what the fuck? Oh, I, was like, man. And I decided to go on stage. And at that point, you feel like you're under the gun. You feel like no one wants you to win. And you, yeah. you start getting shitty and pissy. And I, I really think it taught me a lot about humility is, is how to learn how to become friends with Jason not and go, he is a strong comic. I do like good comedy. Like I should. And he was any of like, I think he played minor league baseball. Like he was everything you wanted to be, you know? Yeah. had a kid, had a fucking like, I mean, like he was like, it was like me. And, and uh, God, I wonder, if, I wonder if he's still doing up. He's got, yeah, he I don't know too- that
1: name. He was out West. So, huh?
0: you yeah. miss clubs. Uh, yes, I, yes. And I'll tell you why I I feel like, and you tell me what your perspective is, but when you start performing in enough theaters and for you guys arenas, um, you, your, your act becomes less by the seat of your pants and more, um, scripted more of an act more of like, like it's really hard to get off book. Sure. Sure.
1: Yeah, and dude, this thing—I'm this ride. of Sebastian's wave has been crazy for me, but I still have, you know, when I'm not with him, I am in clubs. Yeah, and it is, uh, yeah, completely different. But when uh, you
0: when you do the forum, you can't really fuck around much.
1: No, and no, that's, no.
0: that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at is like when you're doing. Say even now I'm doing drive-ins, and when you do a drive-in, you really don't because, and especially the colder it got, the more they would just be in their cars. But then when they were out of their cars. It was a very different vibe cuz everyone was out of their cars it was summer everyone was fucking people had fires they were had water in the back of their fucking trucks everyone was like people were grilling out it was really fun and dude, you could, that you was
1: know. so great to see and i got to tell you like as a comic and probably on behalf of a bunch of comics thank god you were doing that just knowing that was happening and going on you know that stand up yeah. was still living dude you you really deserve some credit for that that was fucking badass was it great
0: it was it was a blast it was very um it was a blast it was you know it was it was there are parts of me that got a little frustrated at times because you would hear people talk shit about it like just shit on you you know you, you gotta like you gotta kind of take it for what it's worth and just be like okay like and then and then other comics would hit you up and be like yo can you i, I want to do some can you give me some advice or you'd hear and it was cool to share yeah. the experience with comics comics that had done it to give it things and then there were comics that were like that's not real comedy and you're like okay i mean like and then you you, you want to defend it I, i'm i wanted to defend it because i you know kind of was at the base infancy of it because i was the one that called my agent and said see if we can figure this out and uh and so I, in a weird way it what i mean i'd say it was my idea but it wasn't my idea people were doing it you know, music industry had started it. There are some musicians doing it, but as far as stand-up, I think I was the first standup, maybe, maybe, probably not. I'm sure there was other guys doing it, but I'm just saying I wanted to defend the concept of it because I, I, want-
1: I to me, it looked like you were doing it the right way, man. I mean, I, I I'm surprised to hear that you got any.
0: Oh, a lot of people. Sh- I mean, Dave Chappelle shit on it before it, I even did it. He was like, it's stupid. They honked their horn and you're just like, you haven't done it. No, I'm not shitting on Dave Chappelle, but I was like, you just, you have a really big platform and you just told 35 million people not to go see it. And I'm like, and on my head, I'm like, I have a show next weekend. Your thing just came out. I have a show next weekend. I was like, right. and I was like, and I'm like, and I, here I am celebrating the fact that you created stand up in a field, which wasn't a thing before it happened. And I'm sure he would probably say, no, I, I, you know, I'm sure, I don't know. I'm not, I'm definitely not, definitely not taking swings at Chappelle. I'm just saying like, when I saw him say that, I was like, I was like, I, they don't honk. They actually don't honk. I think some. Comics would ask for honking. I, you think- know, I, I
1: think that if you got any comic there to the event and presented them to the moment that they would go up and they would do time and they would say, wow, that's just another way that I've done up. I mean, we've all yeah. done standup in, in, in weird situations. That doesn't seem what, I mean, fuck I'm doing corporate zoom shows where I got to do time, you know? Yeah, I would take it. I would take a, a drive through. <laughs> I mean, come on. I'm not taking any swipes at Chappelle either. I do not want to be on his radar. No, I don't. For the first sorry. time, I don't, don't <laughs> want to be for the first time. <laughs> Who the fuck are these Pat Bird motherfuckers? I know three Pats in comedy.
0: I know four birds and three Pats. <laughs> and fuck them all. Fuck all of them. No, it's like it's like here's the thing: is that when you're, you know, and sometimes I think. I bet Dave Chappelle was like, man, I wasn't trying to fuck with your business. I wasn't trying to fuck with you. I wasn't shitting on with what you do. What's that? With your paper? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't trying to fuck with your paper. First. But but it, you forget how big of a platform you have when, you know, you, I'm sure he probably forgets how big of a platform he has at times and says things and he goes, man, I'm just talking shit. I was, I was, you know, I was drinking or whatever, but, um, but yeah, it's, so I was defensive of them. So like when people started to go do them, I would hit them up and tell them like, this is how I did them. And and I had a lot of work around of like of like watching what didn't work and watching what did work like a longer show didn't work compared to like a, a, a an hour and five minute show for me me on stage like the longer yeah. you went that didn't benefit you kind of started losing interest and and you had to start at a certain time if you started in the in the daytime they couldn't see the screen there were like a lot of things that I I worked out that I was super protective of it. And then then towards the end, I stopped getting protective at all. And I was like, oh, fuck, everyone's going to have their own experience. Everyone's going to have their own fucking opinion. I had fun. My fans had fun. That's all the fucking matters. It's like, I remember people shitting on, um, I remember a person shitting on, not people, one person shitting on Rogan for doing, uh, doing arenas. And Rogan's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he was like, oh, yeah, real intimate, Joe. And Joe was like, they're fucking amazing. They're amazing. They're amazing right. experiences. You just have never done them and you're now shitting on them because you've never done them and you probably will never do them. And now you're going to take a shot at me. Hey, listen, I'm having fun. Go fuck yourself. So, yeah. and, and
1: it's just unavoidable. It's, it's the, um, you know, it starts, you know, we're talking about doing open mics earlier or, or starting out in comedy. It starts there when you yeah. get your first hosting gig. Like, why the fuck is he, you know, the, they can't host. They they don't know what they're
0: doing. You know, there's always gonna be. Why is he headlining? Oh, uh, yeah. you doing bar shows? Okay, it's it's interesting. Comedy, comics. It used to be worse, but comics. It's like there's only a few comics that get by unscathed without comics talking shit about them. But man, yeah. there's there's some comics they take a lot of shit. <laughs> Definitely, man. Game and come. you want to Game have come. that. Dane Cook has taken more shit from comics than anyone. Dane Cook should be the fucking patron saint of shit talk comedy because more guys talk shit about that guy. More guys and girls. I mean, they talk shit about him on SNL, on Mad TV, on fucking Step Brothers. They all talk shit about him. And you know, I know for a fact you only. You know, they. It's out of jealousy is why you talk shit. Ultimately. But man, I I would lose my fucking shit if I was him. I would have lost my shit. I would have gone right. after motherfuckers. I would have said stuff. I'm. I luckily I'm not. I would be the-
1: like. I probably would be like, man. At least I had my brother. <laughs> <laughs> and then, no, he took everything. I mean, that guy must. I mean, that sucks, right? Yeah, fucking really does. Everybody I mean, around
0: you. Everyone.
1: But he's resilient, right?
0: Do you have You're a relationship very- with him? Are you buddies with him? Yeah, friends with Dane. Yeah, I was, talking, I was talking with him yesterday. I uh, he he's a good guy. He's a really good, I've known Dane for a very long time. I've known Dane probably as long as I've been in the business. I think just about. Um, yeah. And he's always been a good guy, a really good guy. You know, obviously, whatever makes Dane successful is what makes him tick, and what makes him tick makes him different. And so there right. are parts about Dane, just like there are with me. I mean, just like there are definitely are with Segura. And and I'm sure, you know, with Sebastian, where you go, you go, oh, that's a, that's a neat little sidebar that, you know. Right. I just uh, find
1: it interesting that anybody would, you know, think that somebody who's just trying to entertain people and make people laugh is an asshole. Like there are very few assholes. I've met a few in the business. You know, I've had a couple, but even those instances, I would think maybe they were, just having a, you know, it was like the wrong day. Um, But don't you agree? Like most comics, you know, guy or girl, they're, they're usually cool people. They're just trying to fucking make me. Some, some of them are weird, right? Most
0: comics, most comics, you know, I think what some comics want everyone to fit into the same mold and you just have to allow different molds. And I think like, I remember, I remember Sebastian, saying to me one time we were uh in a hallway and i was doing this thing to try to promote um my special i forget what special it was i was doing this thing to try to promote it i think it was secret time and i was asking comics what are five ways to what are the best five ways what are five tips on watching a special meaning i wanted to get five tips that i could like do a video of the big comics saying this is how you should watch a special and then goes and then say and then I was going to, I voiced over everyone saying, and definitely watch Hey Big Boy from or Secret Time from Chrysler on Netflix, whatever. It was interesting the way different people reacted. You weren't asking much of anyone. You were just saying, hey, real quick, yeah. do me a favor. I'm going to videotape you. And Bill Burr was like, what? Like, <laughs> And Sebastian just was like, like, almost like a deer in headlights. And he goes, at the end, he goes, how can you do this? And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, I I could never do this. Like I could never ask someone, uh, how can you, but he wasn't, but here's the thing is that I think his comics were so sensitive. I was taking it as a compliment. I actually took it as like a, like how, like, like it was like, I took it as a compliment. I took everything everyone said as a compliment, like going like, but that's also, I'm, I'm a little fucking blind in that where I go, you know, I'm gonna do whatever I can to succeed. I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything. I I want I like doing stand up. I want as many people to see it. Um, I believe I'm a good stand up, and I and that's and so I'm gonna do everything. I'm gonna make promo videos. I'm gonna get in a speedo. I'm gonna dance with a marching band. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna learn learn a hip hop dance. Yeah, oh, maybe like maybe wouldn't work for a lot of guys. I go oh I don't really care. I don't have much of a like I don't and I think it's and that's why I say like guys like me and you is. We spent so much time in the clubs. We still are in the clubs. I mean, I'm out of clubs now, but like, but like, yeah, you're out of clubs. But watch to watch people blow up, you get, a, you really get an an inherent hunger in you where you go, you go, I'm I'm gonna bust my fucking ass, man. I'm gonna do everything I can. I'm not like I saw you yeah. doing I saw you doing the uh, interviews, um, doing stand up in your living room, and then you did the thing on television, and then you go in and you wake the kids up, and and it was like so my energy, like I was like that's what i'm talking about but then there are guys that would be like hey man you don't fucking bring your family into this like like bill burr right. would never put some i don't know maybe Sebastian would, but bill burr would never rogan would never but like dude I, yeah. I did never like when
1: i was doing all those pop-up videos i did start to think like man maybe this isn't like and i feel like i'm a purist like i would be i would defend like you know stand up it it and anything um but I was just, you know, it's like f- fucking pandemic. Like, let's just—I finally was out of my comfort zone, doing something different. I mean, I think that's what maybe Sebastian. I would think it was probably what the angle he was coming from. Not to speak for him, but you know, he admires that you're able to step out of that comfort zone and be. Oh, that's how that's how I
0: think. Right, that's how I took it, and I think, you know, I, I, I think, I think. There are so many guys that where their their stand up is one thing, and then they're very private people. You know, like yeah. they're not like I, I I know I can speak for Bill, and Bill is a very private person. I went to Bill's house one time, and he gave me the address, and uh, and I show up to his the address, and I ring the doorbell, and then from across the street, up a house, I hear Bill over here, asshole, and I go, <laughs> you gave me the wrong address. He goes, yeah. I know you're going to Zillow how much I paid for it. If I told you where I lived, <laughs> but you can't read the
1: numbers as you walk in. you yeah. not to well, figure out I his zillow- I zillowed
0: it. I zillowed it. <laughs> <laughs> I zillowed it inside his house.
1: <laughs> oh, that's phenomenal.
0: But, um, but yeah, it's, I think there's, it was, I thought it was really cool that you were doing, you know, you're the way you were fucking with your family. I love that. I love fucking with my family. That's why I'm jealous that your kids are so young. Because mine are old, and now when I fuck with them, they just get, like, fucking... I came up with a bit the other day on Kelly Clarkson. You'll see this. At one point, your daughter... um, You have a a daughter and a son? Yeah, girl two boys. Girl and two boys. At one point, your daughter will want to distance herself from you. She'll be growing up. It's very natural. And have all women do it. They just start to... Oh, it's got to be tough, huh? It is devastating. Is it happening right now for you or are you through it? Nope. I'm in the middle of it right now. It's happening during the pandemic and uh, we can't leave. So like it's happening while it's, I said, I said on Kelly Clarkson and I'm, I'm going to fuck it up now. I'm going to try to figure this bit out. I've been working on this bit for a long time. Uh, I said, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like breaking up with your girlfriend, but still staying roommates. It's just you're, like, you're uh, like, Oh, cool. So you're just going to bring other dudes to the house. <laughs> Oh that's great. I love this child more than anything in the world and no no fault of hers she wants nothing to do with me. You know it's just she's 16 and and she should be having her first kiss and 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 all the things that are very natural and she's stuck in a house with me and I represent a lot of her not getting to live a life that she should be living but because of this pandemic she's in a certain place and it, but aren't
1: you cool? Like, aren't you like the suce- the successful dad, like the famous dad? Like, isn't she?
0: Yeah. Who's called her a fucking moron that- her entire life on stage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. A fucking window licking ninny. I've fucking said the worst things about my kid, my kids. Like I talked about them having their periods. I've, I mean, like I've done everything, but it, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, when when you're young, and you do stand up like it's like when you you talk talk a great deal about your 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 wife and your kids about your family it's and and do you ever i'm i'm I'm, i'll ask you but do you ever run it by them first or do you just take it on stage first and then if it works go oh i got this bit about you i should maybe yeah
1: usually that like usually or she'll just see it um yeah sometimes people think i'm taking it like uh swipes at her all the time like oh god she really puts up with a lot but i don't really feel that way that i'm taking a dump on her constantly like always you know
0: but i did i did a joke to my wife the other day i said i'm trying to you know it's like you i'm writing everything down because i'm not now i'm not on stage and so and but i i'm in comedy brain because i've been on the road for you know what four months or whatever yeah um and i was trying i don't know if this is my fan my wife or if this is all wives, but I said, this is my impression of me uh, trying to call to my wife in my house. And it's, it escalates. I go, Leanne, 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 what the fuck do you want? I heard you the first time. And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't hear you reply to me. In the front. Like, I'm not sitting here going fucking whore. Like, and so, and then she goes, don't do that on stage. That's not what I sound like. I don't go, what the fuck do you want? And I go, Oh but yeah, but that's how I hear it. Yeah. I, how I hear it. And she goes, yeah, but that's not what I say. And then I was like, hey, you don't, you don't get to tell me how to do my act. Okay. And then I was like, oh, I guess now I'm turning her under a cunt as opposed to just letting her be the human being she is. Sure.
1: Yeah. Have you given that more thought? You think these last few months, because I think that like all this family time is, it's going to soften a lot of people, maybe a little bit.
0: Yeah, I definitely, I've thought it's interesting. I, you know. I I had a uh, I did a podcast with this this uh, comedy group Auntie, Auntie Donna. They're on Netflix. They have a, a sketch show, and they were talking about sharing art with friends. And that if people shit on the thing that you like, then it makes you close up. And it and and it it because you're when when you know I'm sure as you know like it, whether it's music or comedy, if you show someone you like and and you're vulnerable, and then they're like, oh that's stupid. Then you kind of go, well, I don't want to share anything anymore because. Yeah. That was that was what wh- who I am, and then happened to my daughter Isla, and so I was talking with Isla the other day. That happened with her with anime. She was really into anime, she shared it with some friends, and they made fun of her, and she, she then she for like a year she shut down, like shut down entirely, and was kind of I don't know if she was depressed, but she was definitely was not the goofy kid that I she could say anything, and I would take it on stage, and it would murder. And this kid wow, was so man. fucking bizarre that anything she did, the the dumb, anything she did, the way her brain worked was just a gold mine. I never had to change a word. <laughs> I would just take it right on stage. She bam. Just spitting material. And, and then it stopped for like a year. It stopped. Luckily I had already some stuff logged, but as I started to write, I was like, you know, I don't have any good Isla stuff. And she had kind of disappeared for a year. And then she came out of it. She came out of it, and we were talking this weekend. That's great to hear. Yeah, yeah, and it was like we were talking this weekend, and I was telling her, um, you know, yeah, when you were younger. I don't. I mean, I remember one time. I mean, this kid was like, she one time she she had her hands behind her, in her behind her back, and she goes, "Guess what's in my hand?" And I go, "I don't know what." She goes, "A punch in the mouth." And <laughs> and I the first <laughs> words under my mouth, I go, "Did you write that? Is that yours? Because I'm taking <laughs> yeah. that." She goes, yeah, is it funny? I go, it will be when we do it to your mom. (laughs) And so, like, I mean, this kid was, like, so fucking, and then for a year she disappeared. And this weekend we were talking. And I was saying, you know, did I do that to you by talking so much about you on stage? Did you feel like, she goes, no. She was like, and she, I don't think she knew why it happened, but it was, my wife and I determined it's this, this anime that she got into. She got into stuff and kids at school were rough on her. And it's like, you know, you draw, you, you get drawn to stuff. For whatever fucking reason, right. and um, and she started being bizarre again, and I was like, "God, thank God we had the pandemic to to shake this out of her." Yeah, how old is she? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Fourteen.
1: Fourteen.
0: Fourteen. And, and anime Fourteen. is what? Is that like um, Japan <laughs> Japanese art? It's like uh, it's like the, it's just art, I guess. Technically, it's cartoons. Okay, yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about. It's Japanese cartoons, and and, and she was she was so into it, and she, I, I guess maybe she's out of it now, but she was like, I mean, she was obsessed. Did you get into it at all, or like look into it? Uh, I tried, but both my girls were into comic books, and, and I'm never, I wasn't a comic book guy, but luckily, you know, out here we have uh, uh, the comic book show that you could do stand-up at, so I would oh, yeah. just stand up over at that comic book show and then I would just I would I would I would do spots or do a podcast there just so that I could go and buy comic books for the girls. And and you know one of the things that I'm sure you you can attest to is that the alt scene wasn't very welcoming um when it started it wasn't like the most embracing place if you didn't look like you sh- were alt. If you looked like you're a normal not normal normals a wrong word but if you looked like a bro they didn't yeah. like you. And that wasn't an alt scene but what's crazy is that Man, comic books are the most, stores are the most, sometimes, I mean, I can't say everything or everywhere, but the most welcoming places. And you could go in and go, hey, my daughters are into comic books. Can you help us out? And they'd be so excited to share their shit with you and be like, was that Kamel's room? Yeah, Kamel did it. Kamel did it.
1: And uh, did you know Kamel in Chicago? You know what? He just was leaving when I started.
0: Like, so that who, whole who class,
1: did? like when I started here, Hannibal was still here. And he was here for another maybe year and a half, two years. But right when I started, it was like Nick had just left, TJ Miller, Kyle Kanane, like that wave, Matt Bronger, and they were kind of on this other kind of scene that I didn't even know existed. I was just going to zanies and like, oh, I got to do this Rising Star Showcase, and oh, he asked me to host, and I'm going to. And then I, um, you know, started to realize that there were other kind of clicks around in groups. One of them started that CYSK show that's still running um, an independent show in Chicago. Comedians, you should know. They have one in LA too. And they, um, so they were just gone. But Hannibal was still here. And um, trying to think who else was kind of climbing. Beth Stelling was here. You started in Chicago? Beth, I don't know if she started in Chicago, but she definitely uh, grew up here, I would say. Really? Yeah.
0: That's yeah, an interesting... That's right. Chicago is an interesting scene. It's one of the only... So what are the scene? What 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 do you think are the comedy scenes in the country?
1: That's a good question. I mean, I always... um You know, I think... I start in the Midwest, right? Because I'm here in Chicago. So Madison has a strong scene. Minnesota. Um, and then I think you oh, kind of... Wait,
0: who's the Minnesota? Oh, yeah, yeah. Minnesota is... uh is um is uh what's his name's room the guy that never me yeah 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 <laughs> hated guts you never booked me either he hated my what was the name Louis Lee Louis Lee Louis Lee I'm Pete Lee is a uh, uh, comic um Louis Louis hated never liked me yeah I think he really? actually told me yeah I think I worked there where'd you see him at at, at his club uh, I oh, worked there it. for the Jameson comedy tour Oh, at, okay. I, and he told me, you wouldn't work here. I would never work you here.
1: <laughs> was that, were you doing that with like Steve Byrne? And uh, who was Steve on Byrne, that?
0: Billy Gardell, Pete Correale, uh Danny Bevins, Mike Loftus, and Nick Griffin. Oh man, that must have been a blast, huh? It was a blast. Nick was, I mean, I can say this, I, I love Nick, but Nick was absolutely horrific to be around. But uh, but he's, <laughs> he's a great comic. He's fun to watch work. I mean, I remember one time I was in a green room and I started talking to him and he goes, just so you know, I'm not going to respond to you. And I went, hey, just so you know, I'm going to keep talking. And he went, we're good. Really? Oh, he's a great, he's a brilliant comic. He is. He actually helped me um, get on
1: Letterman. I got on through Nick Griffin, really. That was a great set. Applause
0: break, applause break, first,
1: uh, first joke. Oh, I, I mean, I don't even, I haven't looked at that for, for so
0: long, dude. <laughs> oh, you want to, how many applause breaks do you think? You it's got? like the
1: biggest moment, it's the biggest moment <laughs> of my career. So I'll take it. But, of, look yeah,
0: at this. I got I my letterman right that. there. I got my letterman right there.
1: Oh, dude, mine's right here. I'm staring at it. It's above yeah. me right here.
0: Yeah. Biggest moment of my career. Second biggest <clears throat> moment is uh, in the documentary about the comedy store. David Letterman goes off on a little bit of a, of a, uh, a rant about how talented I am. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. It's like the oh, great man. Like, Are you Mike, serious? Mike binder sends it to me and Letterman goes, uh, I got to get that video and post it. I wonder if Binder would let me post it De- and goes, I'm guy got to fucking post that. I got to hit up binder. Where's my phone? Um, He goes, "Uh, you know, I'm watching, uh, I'm watching this guy do stand up and he uh, rips his shirt off and binder <laughs> goes, Bert Kreischer. And he goes, yeah, Bert Kreischer. <laughs> and he goes, and I'm, I'm like, why did he take his shirt off? And then, you know, like 20 minutes later, I'm like, Oh, I forgot his shirt's off. Like, his comedy's so good. Yeah. You his shirt's off. And I went, I literally, that's, great, man. I can tell you, that's like, like you know where you were when, on 9-11 when the first person told you what was happening? You know <laughs> where you were? Like, I texted my dad. I know where I was when The Rock retweeted me. Like, there's certain moments. Oh, in the- yes. Oh, and, man. Yeah, that's got to be. And so I texted it to my dad. My dad goes, buddy, I think he's talking about you. I go, he's definitely talking about me. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. So wait, what was that Letterman like? Do you remember? Oh, for me, it was, was just a blur, it, beginning to end. I want to know everything because I can walk you through mine. Literally, <laughs> walk in in the back door with the backpack on and a V-neck well, shirt, and they're oh, like, yeah. "Hey, Brett, over here!" And you're like, "Okay, I'll take it."
1: <laughs> Get in that elevator. Go up to the yeah. My my dressing room was like upstairs. Little tiny, right? the green tiny room it. with a little yeah. Like, dude, one time I was I uh, actually um, did it twice. And the second time I did it, I was getting on the elevator and I heard like someone running on the stairs and I'm like, oh, they must want to catch this elevator. And I'm like holding the door and it's Letterman. And he's running the stairs. He, They were taping two shows and that's what he would do. They said between the shows, he ran in the building, in the theater. It was his workout. Really? And he would look at me like, shut the fuck up, like get out of my way, you know, and I'm like I got my suit. Like all geared up, so nervous to begin with.
0: Who were you on with the, the first time? Who are you on with?
1: The first time I was on with Kevin Bacon. Um, and um, oh, who was the other guest? Bill Hader. Was it Bill Hader? Yeah, I really? think it was Bill Hader. Did you say hi to any of them? Um, I said hi to Bill Hader because we were like right next to each other, our dressing rooms. And I think I did say hi to Kevin Bacon because like, you they hold you in this like dressing room for the first half hour of the show. Right. And then they bring you down to like the real green room. And that was like, you know, that was like total blur. I was just like, so in my head,
0: I don't even remember that to be honest with you. I mean,
1: and then I, yeah. And then they pull you out. And then Biff, I remember Biff pulls me out of the green room. And I always remember this dude at the, uh, at the, um, at the gate. He's like, you're going to hear him. You might not hear him though. So I'm going to tap your, your shoulder when he says your name and you walk out and he can just, my nerves are probably like palpable. Right. And he's like, Hey, relax. This is where the Beatles made their debut in America. And then he like (laughs) taps my shoulder (laughs) and and sent me out there. And it actually was kind of like, Oh, that's funny. It's kind of relaxing. But dude, I had a joke with my wife's name in it. My wife's name is Sarah. So I had a joke about uh, being like at the movies with with her and she talks all the time and yeah, yeah. and like the Is that your the, first set that was the first one yeah and my punchline was like oh it's pretty good movie like sarah had a big speaking role and and i say her name and she kind of liked that you know dude i uh totally blanked on that part and didn't say that part of the joke <laughs> <laughs> i had a I had a off the rails like five second you know when you have it when you're first starting out and you might have it for like 30 seconds or a minute like yeah. a blank out. I had like a 5 second like oh no this is happening and then somehow I got back on on track. But I did have that that first that first set. I had one of those almost freak out moments. Yeah I I I've, I've, right?
0: I've had those where you just totally blank. I don't remember any I don't remember a green room. I remember being upstairs in the tiny little uh dressing room. Yep. I remember um I remember I ran into Henry Winkler in the hallway, and he was very oh, nice.
1: That's great.
0: Yeah, Shia LaBeouf. It was the other sl- the the other guy, and he didn't went. You know like, how to say it? Did, did I say it wrong? It?
1: No, I, that sounded right. That sounded yeah, like yeah, you nailed yeah. it. But did you know it at that time?
0: No, no, I, I didn't know. I I I knew who he was, but I don't I don't know if I like I don't think I was like a fan or anything. I'd known who he was from that from Project Greenlight. Isn't that crazy? Like oh that's gosh, only I remember I, that yeah he was in project Greenlight. oh i right. forgot that so i that's why i knew who he was and so i was like oh i know that kid um i'm sure he had done a movie after i'm i'm, I'm i don't i don't think he was who he is today i know yeah. he got arrested a couple times but i don't but did I, you say
1: he, hi to henry winkler did you get like a pic with him
0: oh yeah i didn't get a pic with him i said hi to him and then i saw him the next day at Sirius xm by the did way you ask him to
1: promote your special <laughs> like, <"Sonsie, laughs> tell everyone to watch my special
0: no, you know what I did? I was at SiriusXM the next day, and he was walking through the hallways, and I was doing Opie and Anthony, which was my big get. I mean, Letterman was big, but I was such a o- and a- an ONA fan. Yeah. And I was like, to do ONA was like, like they were like, they only had me on because I had just done Letterman. And they're like, dude, got to have you on. You just did Letterman. And Henry Winkler was walking through the hallways. And they go, oh, shit, it's the Fonz. And I said, you guys want them on your show? And they're like, yeah. And I open the door. I go, Henry. And he was like, oh, Bert. And they're like, you're friends with Fonzie? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I brought him in and they're like, shut the fuck up. But I had just met him. I had met him the night before. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Yeah. You, you guys want him out here. Henry. Oh, that's funny. Like, oh, Bert. And so, and we, because my daughter's dyslexic and we had talked, and he was dyslexic and we had talked about dyslexia in the hallway. And, yeah. uh, and so, so that I get downstairs and they're like, listen, I remember Eddie Brill. Um, had told me, by the way, I'm, I'm very hesitant because I know Eddie doesn't have a way to retort to this and I'm not talking shit about Eddie. Eddie's a very sweet guy and he's always been very nice to me. But I remember, I'm I'm just trying to be fair to the truth of, of life is sometimes, you know, I, I get caught up in fucking PR that's podcasts were never that when we started, but their, their outreach is so big that to talk negative about someone seems really unfair in my opinion. So I'm not talking negative about Eddie. I'm trying to talk honestly. So hopefully if Eddie hears this, he goes, yeah, that is pretty accurate. Um, I remember Eddie telling me um, Letterman would not like me <laughs> because, <laughs> because I was very dirty. I was very dirty. And, and he was like, I know what, when he was booking it, he yeah. sat with me and he told me um, Letterman doesn't like certain type of comedy and and your com, what you're doing, what you do is not what he likes. So, and, and maybe that's what he said. And maybe I interpreted it as Letterman wouldn't like me. Uh, maybe that's to be fair. I'm trying to be fair. because I really do like Eddie. Um, sure. Um, and, and so I got there and I guess Shia went long and, and Shia's segment went long and they said, so just so you know, we cut your segment to two minutes. And I was like, it, it was, it was panel. It was, I was going to panel. And I was oh, like, yeah. okay. I was like, okay. And Biff told me he was like, just giving you a heads up, they've cut it down to two minutes. Uh, unless unless Dave really loves you, then maybe you'll go longer. But it's so, just get your ready, get your segments, get your head ready for it. And I was like, okay. And um, and Eddie came up to me and he said, um, he said Dave's gonna love you. And I remember going, you already told me he's not gonna like me. <laughs> like in my head, I was like, this is such, I'm gonna fucking fail so bad. And then I went out and I ended up doing seven minutes on the couch and I, and it went great. It went really, really great. And it was the greatest experience, probably the greatest experience of my professional career. Like just to, to, to yeah. my wife calls it earning your, earning your Monday where you just go, Hey man, I like, I was a lot of stress for something I did well at and I can kind of like breathe easy. Shit. That, that went well. Dude,
1: that would be harder than doing a stand-up set, coming out and actually talking with them. Oh, I mean, come on. When he came over and like shook my hand, I was like, you know, like, hey, you know, I don't know. That would be because he's not like coming to the green room before and welcoming you. Right. And like easing no. you and relaxing you like you're going out there cold. This is when you first meet David Letterman.
0: Oh, all and of it, though, millions all, of it people though all of it plays into such a brilliant experience. It, it was such yeah. a it was. And I'll tell you why is that. Biff tells you, you know, you're going to be cut down. Just give me a heads up. They're The shy went long or whatever, or, and, but you're sitting with Biff. You're sitting with Biff. And so, you know, that you're like, this is fucking Biff. Like I've watched Biff when I was in 10 years old. We moved into our new house. That was Biff. I know Biff. And so, right. and then, um, and then, and then they go, all right, go. And you walk out and it was such a surreal experience because they cheer for you and you want to wave to everyone because you've seen people wave to everyone and then i go i don't know anyone in here <laughs> like who am i waving to like what like that's such a well and then I, I go why do celebrities wave they don't know them like what are they the fucking prince like hey and so i kind of start to wave and then i was like oh and then i see david letterman on the set that i've seen a million times and i'm like holy shit oh, right i'm doing letterman i'm doing letterman i sit down and you know what i did is i turned to wave to paul and i go i don't know paul <laughs> i'm like oh my god I'm And I just started giggling so hard at how surreal this whole moment was. And then because I started laughing, David Letterman gave me a David Letterman look, like, like, you know, oh, we got a hot one here. Like a yeah. (laughs) And I go, I just got a David Letterman look from David Letterman. And I started giggling even harder. And it was such a it had happened so fast and it was so out of control that you like you get a laugh and then you get make David laugh and then you make Paul laugh. And then and then halfway through you go, What's like in my head, I go, What song did he play when I walked out? Like, like I was just gonna ask you that. Do you remember? I, I don't know. I don't know. And I I did know, he did tell me. And then um Justin stangle uh went Justin, the Stangle brothers, I should say both the Stangles, grabbed my cards, uh, f- grabbed my cards and brought them into my green room and said, put these in your backpack. Uh, we don't normally give out cards, but you should have these cards. And so I put my cards in my backpack. And then they're like, you want to go out to dinner? And I was like, yeah. And my buddy Cowhead had come out. My buddy Cowhead was there the whole time. My buddy Cowhead had come out to – and we went across the street to uh, Charlie Palmer's or, or something, whatever, Steakhouse across Cross Street. Oh, yeah. We had huge steaks, and I got drunk that as fuck.
1: so great. And then you, did you watch it that night?
0: I think I blacked out. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. I, mean, it was, uh, I remember I got to pick my song. I picked uh, State of Love and Trust. Uh, Pearl Jam that's what I came out to great
0: great great, great song
1: dude I just went on a uh, like a Letterman Pearl Jam uh, wormhole like went down they, Eddie Better the first time he came on Letterman he like just walked in the side door and did like a few bars of black that Letterman had been like teasing for months he kept referencing um, this part of black and I don't know It built and built. And then one time, I guess Eddie Vedder was in New York City. He was like, dude, can I just put an end to this? And like, it was, I don't know if you've seen it. It's such a great appearance. He comes right in the side door, jumps up. He's playing with them. I mean, that, the sound of that CBS orchestra, Paul Schaefer and them, I mean, they were so legit. Like, I remember seeing them on TV and like, oh yeah, they're good. But when you're in that building, it is insanity, right? That atmosphere is pretty
0: electric. It's really electric. I mean, it was, it's, do you feel like, like I feel like, I feel like it was a gift from God that I got to do that show,
1: dude. Me too. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, and just the fact that it's
0: not there anymore, you know. This podcast is brought to you by my family's stocking stuffers, Liquid IV. Look, with the cold weather, you can layer up. You don't even know you're getting dehydrated. You don't even know you're perspiring, which means you're going It's even more important to stay properly hydrated. Well, with one stick with Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water. And I love that it's 16 ounces of water. You know, it's 16 ounces of water. Isn't half a cup. It is a full bottle of water. You get two to three times the amount of hydration as just plain old water Add a liquid IV and bam, you are. And I'll tell you why I love it for this, this season is that my parents are in LA and they're flying back. And it's so important for travel, being hydrated, For long flights or just long road trips, my parents were out here on the tour bus. It can help you with hangovers, which is a big, right around Christmas, everyone's pounding a liquid IV. For me personally, what I do is I take the watermelon one, and oh, they have three new flavors, guava, watermelon, and apple pie. I take the watermelon one right before I work out, and bam, I am. All about hydration. You know that. If you saw me on Two Bears, Come on, Cave. you know I am obsessed with hydration. Hydration, for me, means that my heart rate is slower, my blood pressure is lower, and all the organs in my body get the fluid they need. That's why I'm obsessed with hydration. They've got three new flavors. I just talked about them. Sweet and juicy guava, guava, crisp watermelon, and the comforting apple pie. It contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and so much more potassium than just one banana. Healthier than these sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavoring flavoring or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. It's made with clean ingredients, non-GMO, vegan, and free of gluten, dairy, and soy. And I'm telling you, the optimal ratio they provide with glucose, sodium, and potassium delivers water and nutrients into the bloodstream. It's the perfect balance to help you stay hydrated or get hydrated or stay hydrated. It's so much more effective than just just water. One stick of Liquid IV and 16 ounces of water gives you two to three times the hydration of just a plain bottle of water. This company has don- donated over 6.7 million servings globally. In response to the COVID-19, products are be- being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active U.S. military. Over 3 million servings in total so far. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Walmart in the beverage section. or. You can get 25% off if you go to liquidiv.com and use the promo code BERT at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code BERT at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com. Use the promo code BERT. This podcast is brought to you by Harry's Razors. Let me tell you something. And this is an important story. When I was a kid and I first started shaving and I barely had a beard, I would use a razor maybe three times and then i throw it away and get a new one. I thought. Oh, that's what you need to do. My dad lost his shit. He was like, do you have any idea how overpriced these razors are? You'll use it a hundred times for Christ's sake. Well, guess what? Two friends, Jeff and Andy were just like my dad and they were tired of overpaying for razors. So they thought most big brands are overdesigned, overpriced and out of touch. What if we founded a company, uh, let's call it Harry's and we returned to the essentials quality ba- blades at an honest price, literally as low as $2 per refill. Harry's founders wanted to sell products they'd be proud of so they raised a bunch of money to buy a razor company a razor factory in Germany it's been honing precision blades for over hundred years they source their steel from Sweden we all know Sweden's got the best steel and they own the entire manufacturing process from R&; d to the factory floor this allows them to keep the prices so low newer blades sharper blades Harry's delivering their sharpest shave ever and they aren't raising prices their newer blades are so sharp that the guys that guys are shaving four times a week reported that Harry's new blades their eighth shave is just as smooth as their first shave and they're confident they're so confident they stand by their blades with a 100% money back guarantee at harrys.com available online or in stores harry's available wherever you shop Harry's has the greatest offer for our listeners of our show, my show. New U.S. customers can redeem a Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash Burt for just $3. You'll get a five-blade razor featuring their new sharper blades, a weighted ergonomic handle, foam shaving gel with aloe, and a travel cover to protect your blade when you're on the go. All you got to do is go to harrys.com slash Burt and redeem your trial offer today
1: i want to ask you though like would you do it that way would you not want to meet the guests until they came out and things were rolling or or how do you do it like with the with your show with the cabin like do you see people beforehand
0: no i don't want to talk to people beforehand and i try to keep as much distance when we do it like i like once like i want our first initial meet to be real um and then and then we can hang out but we usually just gossip You know, that comes
1: across too that. You guys are just seeing each other like, that's like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah. And then, and then, uh, and for the most part, it's kind of crazy. I'm I'm trying to work on a bit on this. I'm working on a bit on everything these days. I want to work on a bit about how, how my wife and my wife and my relationship is so much, it's got so many more helpers in it than any relationship I ever had before. Because, like, just cell phones alone, like, there's so many times. Like, in the past, when I dated girls, if we had nothing to talk about, we just sat there in silence, staring at each other. We couldn't just look at our phones and be like, "Flip, flip, flip!" Oh, I just bought this on Amazon. Like, and so, and and then I was like, and then we, me and my girlfriends never had common projects. Me and my my wife have daughters, so we're like, "Hey, can you help me make breakfast?" We're like, "Oh yeah, making breakfast, making lunch. Okay, getting everyone ready. Everyone's out the door, and then you're like, Ah, oh, together we did it. Like, me and my girlfriends are just like." Oh, you wanna fuck? Or okay. <laughs> uh we can go get drunk, you wanna get high, wanna watch TV? Like, but um, but fuck, I forgot what the initial question you said was.
1: No, oh, it's it's, oh, 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 I didn't say mean that.
0: The, on the cabin, what's really interesting is that for the weird part, is once we were only really every as soon as you stopped interacting, everyone kinda went to their cell phones. You yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. like you'd interact and you'd and, and everything would be happening and then you know, most people would just hot like hop on their phone or like be tired because it was we it was a full day shoot and and towards the ends of the days is when you kind of shot seamlessly because that's if, if booze or drug or weed came out then uh, then everyone was on for the whole time like you just like don't let the camera stop rolling let's just keep rolling but in those mornings you do a, a a meet and greet and then. Um, a lot of times it would be like like what the fuck are we doing here and you, and I, so i would be going like just have fun just whatever you know trust me if you don't want to do anything don't do anything and if you do, and i'll do everything i don't really care and just to have fun try to try to be like improv like yes and and let's just have a good time and we'll figure it out and then um and everyone was awesome there were a couple ones that were like that were a little tougher to like break the seal with where you were like Well, like usually um like comics were easy peasy comics were like comics are the fucking greatest.
1: Right. And I'm sure you picked comics that you have great chemistry with,
0: right? I pick, yeah. I picked. I, mean, I, I, I picked, first of all, I picked, this is a, a cheat code, but I picked anyone good on podcasts.
1: Yeah. Is
0: that anyone, Dude, good I on
1: miss miss um, Pat. I, when I auditioned for last comic standing, she was, must've been alphabetical by first name. I was right behind her. <laughs> Mr.
0: Pat and Mr. Pat go ahead and
1: she was finishing her set as I like they, it was at Gotham in New York and they god. brought you in and so you would have, you'd be in the room with the comic before you which is not always the case right usually you audition privately and dude it was so funny she kills it but then like the Q&A part oh my god you know because they were like they're probably going to ask you how you how you are at home with the kids and your wife has a job and, you know, because, you know, my wife's a lawyer, and that's that was the interesting backstory. But your wife's funny as shit. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, she's a, she is pretty funny. She's a smart ass. So, dude, when we go to, uh, they're telling me, like, I'm going to get these questions. I'm like, oh, I'm, I must seem so interesting to them. And I'm, I'm <laughs> Miss Pat wraps up, and they're like, so you got shot and you lost your nipple and you got dragged by a bus? Like, all this. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? Oh, my god how am I going to be interesting to these people? Like I was just like, she's going to go
0: far on this show. Miss Pat, Miss Pat. The first time I ever met her, I was in Indianapolis and we had scheduled to do a podcast in my hotel room. Like I was going to do Bob and Tom. And then I was going to meet her in my hotel room, do a podcast. And then I was flying home. And so I, um, I get back from Bob and Tom. I meet her at the hotel lobby. She's with her son. I think her son's like 30 years old at the time. And, uh, they they both go up to my room with me and me and Pat sit down to do a podcast, and her son takes off his shoes and takes off his shirt and gets in my bed and goes to sleep.
1: <laughs> did, did you only have one
0: bed in the room? I had two. <laughs> it would be so much better if I had one, but he just in the bed and went to sleep. <laughs> and he went and slept for an hour and a half. Did
1: you guys have to wake him up when it was over? Hey, we're done. Yeah.
0: He's like, ah, uh, I'm going to take a shower. Are you cool with that? <laughs> Pat is the, Pat is one of my favorite human beings alive. I, I love her and I, I love everything yeah, about her. Awesome. I'm a ride or die for her. Like I'll fucking defend her to the grave, but she was the best. She was the best because so much of the shit that we did, she had no interest in doing. And 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 there was a lot of nudity up front that they cut it out because like yeah. yo, yeah, oh yeah 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 it's like there's like a couple chicks that I that I that I'm like and that I I'm friends with enough where I knew like with Nikki I think I asked actually with Nikki and Pat I both asked because not to say that I wouldn't always ask consent but you know with comics comics are comics and sometimes with your friends if you're not if you're not trying to be sexual and the nudity right. is a joke then you there, you can get a pass. But you, I think there's a difference. I mean, look, I'm not going to say look, everything's so fucking loaded. I'm not going to say anything. All I know is with Pat and Nikki, I both asked consent to show my body naked to them. Like I literally would say said to Nikki, I'm you're about to see my asshole. I need your consent because we are working and I do care for you. And if you do not want to see my asshole, you do not have to see my asshole. How do can, you do that?
1: Do you send them like some nudes and like, is this okay? <laughs> no, no, no.
0: i was already had the i had the wax strip on my asshole and i go nikki i need your consent <laughs> i was already naked in the other room going i need your consent didn't ask for jay's consent didn't ask for donnell's consent they edited a lot of nudity there was a lot of nudity and by the way at one point i said to the i said to the camera there was a camera operator or assistant who was a female and i'm laying on the ground naked uh doing uh getting ready to do I think we we're doing electro shock therapy or whatever. It's in like the final episode. Oh yeah. And I'm naked. I'm naked doing it. And I'm on the bed naked. And I said to her, So like when you get this job, like, do you have to sign like a consent form that you're like cool seeing male nudity? And very quickly she goes, I was told this was comedians in cars getting coffee. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's who's it's a little different? Who's who who are your heroes in comedy? oh man,
1: I, I don't, like, like, like S.
0: Letterman, Letterman like, would be a name. No, like, no, uh, but like, like straight stand up. If you're backstage, I know you probably run into Seinfeld, but like guys that who, you'd come off stage and they're like, Hey man, fucking really funny stuff where you go, uh, that just fucking melted my heart.
1: Yeah, actually, I actually, I did meet him one night at, at, at Gotham. He came in and did a guest spot at the end of, uh, it was the first time and only time a headline there had got them. And I was closing out and it, they had told me he was going to come in and I asked, I'm like, can I bring him up? And, um, as I brought him up, he was like, Hey, funny stuff, which regardless if he saw, you know, but that was definitely a time,
0: um, hey, Pat, Pat, not regardless. I, uh, he brought me up one time. Oh no, no. I guess he, Yeah, I guess he didn't, I didn't go up before him. I, he brought me up one time and just looked at me and went, Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> nah he wasn't that bad but like him, it was him, and sebastian, him and sebastian. it's
1: just like really buddy
0: <laughs> him and sebastian are buddies and uh i got i took my shirt off and i i'm certain they left right away but i definitely did enough old material so that the, like i i structured it so that whatever material i was doing up front was good enough and clean enough that if he did stay for a second or at least on the walkout he heard nothing horrible and i gave it like six minutes probably now maybe less than that maybe three minutes and then i was like all right they're out of the room right and everyone's like yeah they left and i was like this is a sold out room at the store and they're like yeah they're gone they walked straight out and i was like all right let's get into the new stuff here we go all right, yeah. Like, I, have, like, I, have a, I have a real, um, I have a massive respect for Jerry Seinfeld. With I just I just watched the Seinfeld episode with my daughter, Isla. The Hamptons, do you remember that one? Yes. Is the it the... Uh, shrinkage. That's Shrinkage? Oh, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, because I was going to say, the, uh, is it the Pretzels
1: one, when they're stuck out on that? Uh, they won't be on Long Island for that one, for the... Uh,
0: no, it was Shrinkage. One? Shrinkage, Ugly Baby... Lobster and, and lobsters, yeah. and it is it is such it's such a beautifully written episode that you're like, that, you know that you go, God damn it, that's perfect comedy. I mean, I my daughter Isla didn't even know what shrinkage was, and is howling laughing, <laughs> right? And I was I like, was in the pool. it was that show. Know, that was so great.
1: You know, what's funny now when I watch that show is I can't look at George without thinking of Larry David. Like, I just see it that way. And I just see Larry David's influence maybe more than I, you know, I didn't appreciate that much um, before seeing Curb, you know, what a role he must have played in that show. I mean, you could definitely see Seinfeld, right? right, being Seinfeld. But I didn't know who Larry David was when I first watched that show. And now you watch it and you're like, God, there's so much of him in this.
0: It's amazing how funny Michael Richards is and how unfortunate that one incident is because it does somehow taint the way you see that show now. Yeah. Like you, right. can, you can't help but you can't help but you know, it's like at, at certain points, just go, God damn it. I wish that had never happened. I wish he had never gotten into stand-up. He had no business doing stand-up. It was and 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 it just is at the fucking perfect gotcha time of like videotaped it fucking out there. I would love okay. to I would love to talk to the person who videotaped it. I would love to interview that person and go, how much money do you like? What like I'm curious what benefit, like if they feel good about what they did, they're like, you know, I outed a bad person, or if like, because I remember Chappelle saying, you know, I knew what he was trying to do. I think yeah. by, by the way, I don't I'm not I I need to stop talking. I'm like I'm I don't know what Chappelle said and I, I don't know, but I remember him semi trying to defend Michael Richards at one point. Do you remember that? I don't know if I remember that part of it. But I just uh, maybe, I remember yeah, I remember yeah. the incident. But I yeah. think it also touches
1: on something that is like, does this bother you when um like it's almost like someone backs in a stand-up? Like you like you said, he shouldn't have been doing stand-up, like he didn't need to do it, but that you are that comfortable. And you see this a lot, right? And you talk about like being a purist or how you look at stand-up and you know, kind of talked about that earlier, how people are talking about drive-through shows or where you go yep. you know, the But these people that just like, oh, I'm a stand-up now. That, does that bother you when you see people just use their name just to sell tickets and then act uh, like
0: a stand-up? It did when I was younger. It doesn't now. It doesn't now because it's a silly. it's a silly thing for me to determine who isn't, isn't a standup and who is like, uh, some people get into it and, and are really talented at it and really good at it. And you're like, Oh fuck it. Maybe they should have done, maybe they should have done it earlier. And then some yeah. people I go, and then other people you go, Hey, how can I like uh, Steve-O Steve-o's a perfect example. Technically as a purist, you would be like, the fuck's he doing on stage? But the guy's really busted his ass. I mean, really yeah. busted his ass. And he's, he's working more than the average comic meaning he's out there fucking hustling and trying to grow. And so you go, well, that's a real stand-up. Tom Green, definitely out there on the road. I think, and I want to say Tom was originally a stand-up. I remember at one point someone said something about Rob Schneider, and I was like, no, no, no. And then here you are splitting hairs going, Rob Schneider started as a stand-up. Like, he was a stand-up comedian. Like, you know him as Deuce Bigelow, but don't ever think that he backed into stand-up. Kevin, (laughs) you know, like there are a lot of guys that go, oh, these were stand-ups. But we only know them as celebrities, and, and- Dude, that was one of the
1: first big moments in my career. I gave Kevin Nealon a ride home from the from Zaney's Vernon Hills to the hotel, and I was like, calling everybody. I had Hans and Franz in my car. Kevin Nealon, we're like, we sat right here, like Kevin <laughs> Nealon, and I asked him for advice, like when he on the on the ride, and you know, just gave me uh, always always be writing, always writing. I mean, it was, Solid advice. He yeah, uh, is worked, a great stand-up.
0: Oh, yeah. I worked with Kevin Nealon on the first TV show I was ever on. And he goes, uh, I, I want to I say this right because I don't want him to sound like an asshole because he's not wasn't an asshole. But uh, they said, hey, so the bit is you and Kevin Nealon are going to be dressed as dicks. And you're going to be at a bar dressed as dicks. Like You guys will have penises. Your faces will be outside of the penis. But you, you have a penis on your head. And it's going to be you and Kevin Nealon, you're going to be talking about uh, sexual dysfunction problems that you guys have. So, you know, you'll be like, sometimes I, and then you'll just spit out of your mouth and go and he'll go, Oh, that's premature ejaculation. It was like a learning bit. Right. So I was like, so I was like, Oh, cool. In my head, I was like, I don't want to be dressed as a penis, but if I'm going to be sitting next to Kevin Nealon doing a sketch, I'm fucking in a hundred percent. I sit through hair and makeup. I mean, for like an hour as they put they cut around so it literally looks perfect. I look like a penis. All you see is this, and there's a big dick and my. That'd be
1: great arm. if you walk in hair and makeup like you're good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I get out to do the sketch, and uh, Kevin Nealon's next to me, and he's in street clothes. And I said, "Oh, you are you not going through hair and makeup?" And he goes, "I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to let them dress me to look like a penis." And I said, "Why not?" And he goes, "Are you
1: are you a penis right now?" I'm dressed as a penis. <laughs>
0: He goes, uh, He goes. I, I think respectfully we're at different points in our career. And I went, what do you mean? And he goes, I don't know. Have you seen what you look like? <laughs> and I had not really seen what I looked like. And I saw it on TV that night. I was like, I look like a fucking idiot. I was like, learn how to say no.
1: Unbelievable. Who did they end up getting?
0: No, it was Kevin Nealon. He just sat next (laughs) to me in a bar and I was a penis (laughs) saying all my problems. I would be like, I don't know. Sometimes I, and he goes, you have premature ejaculation. I'm just sitting next to Kevin Nealon in a bar. Where is this footage? I, you know, what's so funny is I think I have it. I don't know where I did with it. I have all the footage. I got to get someone. I got to get someone. Um, (laughs) I'm not going to uh, let
1: them dress me up
0: as <laughs> Respectfully, I think we're at different places in our career. And I went, what do you mean? And he goes, have you seen yourself? And I was like, <laughs> no. Oh, yeah I, yeah. I, that was a, yeah, that was, <laughs> I, I was, I, I was, I was not the best uh, talk show host. I remember we entered, me and Gary Valentine interviewed a, a pimp one time. I think his name is, I want to say it was Iceberg Slim. I'm not certain who the pimp was. <laughs> but but I remember Gary and I, me and Gary. Gary is, do you know Gary Valentine? No. Gary Valentine. I, I know who he
1: is, but I, yeah. I've never met
0: him. He's Kevin James's brother. And we were, I mean, very close friends at the time. But we were both not very bright dudes. And we, it's the first time they allowed us to, <laughs> to interview a celebrity by ourselves. Normally, they'd have one of the better hosts with me and Gary. Iceberg get, Slim's a celebrity. He had written a book, I think. <laughs> oh yeah, I think he had written a book about pimping. <clears throat> and so maybe it wasn't. I, I, I'm almost certain it was Iceberg Slim. Anyway, so we get out there, we get backstage, and we're like, so what are we going to ask this guy? And he's like, Bert, pimping questions. And I go, like, what? And he was like, I don't know. How do you turn a bitch out? All right, right. I mean, it's all like we'll we'll focus it on like how make these applicable. For like regular guys, how to get chicks. So how do you turn a bitch out? Ah, oh, that's how you get a girlfriend. Okay, all right. I'm like, good, good call, Gary. And he goes, <laughs> and if you've got any good, good questions, like in the interview, right? Um, this guy's
1: like an expert on yeah. how to get girls. No, he's a pimp.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he goes, I'm, because you, you had to let, la- one person drove the interview and the other person kind of chimed in. So someone played third mic and then someone drove it. And so Gary's like, I'll drive it. But you third mic me, and so like like, you know, just chime in, and so I go, okay, so we start talking about bottom bitches and how to turn a bitch out, and it's very we don't realize it's going it's trending very misogynistic, and then I go, this subject matter, yeah is, got misogynistic, so every woman on set is cringing, is cringing at what he is by the way, this pimp has not been coached on how to fucking to. To so maybe like, tr- like train these into like, Oh, this is, you know, I don't really. And I go, I, and he says something about, well, then you got to beat the fuck out of a bitch. And I was like, you mean, you mean hit them? And he goes, yeah, he goes, yeah, you got to hit a bitch every now and then. And everyone laughs thinking he's joking. And I go like, how hard do you hit a bitch? And he goes, Gary, put your hands up. And Gary puts his hands up. And the guy goes, Pop! <laughs> <laughs> everyone was like <laughs> Gary's like, We'll be back after these commercials. <laughs> it was so bad. It was so bad. Like who's who's driving this? Gary. This, <laughs> Gary's driving. Gary Valentine was the funniest <laughs> fucking. and he still is the funniest. But at that time of my life, that not one person made me laugh harder than Gary Valentine. He'd interviewed Joe Rogan, and and he goes, "It was same scenario, right?" Yeah. Gary's gonna drive. Bert's gonna be third, sh- ride shotgun. And they said, listen, we have a list of, uh, we were sitting out there and they go, literally, I wish I had a piece of paper, Gary, we got a list of questions for you to ask Joe. And he goes, you got questions for me to ask my buddy, Joe Rogan? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, I don't need them. And they're like, you don't? And he goes, I've been friends with this guy for 10 years. I'm, my, bu- my brother and his brother, we're all at the same management company. This is my buddy. This is my buddy. And they're, they're like, okay. And he's like, yeah, trust me. And he looks at me and he goes, "Bertsky, this is going to go through like a hot knife and butter. We're going to just sit out here and just jam. And they're going to see why comics should just be out here the whole time. And I was like, right. And he goes, "And so they go, all right. He goes, this next guy, you might know him from uh, I ever uh, fucking news radio, from Fear Factor, from uh, whatchamacallit. He's got a new show called Fear Factor. Everybody, my buddy, my pal, comedian Joe Rogan. And then Joe comes out and everyone's like, what's up? What's up? We all kind of shake and sit down, and Jerry goes, "Ah, Joe." and You jokers Gary, and he's like, "Joe." He goes, "Gary," and he's like, "Ah, ah, ah." I'm frozen, man. I'm frozen. Next one, I, I got. It. Let's take him from the top. And <laughs> it was so fucking hilarious. It happened twice. It happened twice, and then. They got the cards with <laughs> the questions and he got the question. He goes, I'm going to use these. I'm going to lean on these a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> Gary Valentine made me laugh so fucking hard.
1: I froze, man. We got to take it from the top.
0: Take it from the top. Joe, get back on point. Here we go. Here we go. And the next one's like, all right, my buddy Joe Rogan. He and goes, Joe. And Joe goes, what's up, Gary? He goes, Joe. And Joe goes, Gary. Joe. <laughs> it was so fucking funny. That guy made me laugh. They, that guy, that guy was one of the, you know, it's so funny, man. is like, you are, is that we're, we're in, we're in a business where it's like our currency is laughter. And so we just laugh by our, like, but literally where did you
1: like, there's a guy, this is a guy that you could give shit to and he would bust your balls probably. And yeah. Were you traveling with them or are you guys just kind of,
0: we were just on living in LA same living in LA, doing a TV show together. And I, I'm, I've never, he's maybe one of the funniest human beings I've ever been. And, 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 you know, hanging out with his brother, Kevin, you learned a lot about, about how to behave, you know, like Kevin's very, a very, very cool, kind, both of them are very kind guys. They're very, yeah. they're not, they're not, they were never uh, predators or anything. They were just kind guys. And, uh, and it was cool. Like th- those are the first people I met in Hollywood. I feel like, you know. Yep.
1: And were they like just normal dudes or were they?
0: Yeah. Normal dudes grew up playing baseball in Long Island. Um that's great. Yeah.
1: That's who yep. I gravitate towards too. Not the people that sometimes just people are just like on. You can almost like sense it. Like they're just on, on. Yeah. And it's just like I can't compete with
0: that. Do you bring someone on the road with you? Um, if I can,
1: but I don't always do it. It depends where I'm going to. Um but I, I do a podcast with this guy Jim Flanagan. I, I like to work with him. Just what like is, nice to have called? a buddy. You read
0: for Cyrusman. <laughs> it's called you're all next, over the place. Who in a cave? What? <laughs> all over the place. Oh, that's right. I know your
1: podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. And I thought we just got it going. Like um, we started in February, and we're having fun with it. What, uh, what do these days?
0: What do you guys do on your podcast?
1: We just talk about random shit. Really. I mean, kind of keep it a little bit topical. We go back to a lot of historical stuff and, you know, just a lot of pop culture. I mean, this last episode, we were talking about the, um, like the t- most popular Christmas toys throughout the years. Ooh. Like um, it's know, how many, like how many you could guess that were in the eighties or nineties, a lot of Nintendo on there.
0: The only one I remember ever were Cabbage Patch Kids.
1: Cabbage, Yeah, they were like 83
0: Cabbage Patch Kids. Like Simon Says was up there, I think. Ooh, I remember Simon Says. I, l- I played that at Jeff Fuentes' house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember the first time I ever played Simon Says at Jeff Fuentes' house. And I remember going like, why has he got so many cool fucking toys?
1: <laughs> Can you imagine? That was like a cool toy.
0: No, yeah. Oh, and, our, dad, you know? and our, dads were, our dads were partners. And they were both lawyers at a law firm together. Jeff Fuentes was me and my sister and Jeff Fuentes were kind of like kind of like cousins I guess is what you know what like like an it was a little bit of a nuclear family cuz we were always around each other and Jeff if I'm not mistaken I'm I'm horrible at this but I think Jeff's the distance between his first sister and himself was a little longer in between me and my sister so Jeff was our age and his and his sister was born and she was much younger so we hung out with Jeff and I remember being yeah. like Being like, how come Jess' dad gets some cooler toys? Simon says, I remember playing Simon Says at his house. Being like, this thing's fucking. And I remember being good at going like, if I play this good enough, someone's going to recognize my talent and (laughs) and be like, hey, man, when you should go pro.
1: You remember everything.
0: God damn it. Your memory is next. (laughs) Yeah. Like laser tag was on there. Laser tag. Keep going.
1: Was Slinky on there? Um, Slinky. It was probably is on there, but I didn't go that far back. I actually, probably had those notes still here. Because I just did this you,
0: you didn't take it back to the 1400s. You're like a oh, wheel. Um <laughs> it was a stick. Stick was like
1: for 40 straight years. Stick and rock would alternate between. Yeah, it was. Uh... But it, it
0: is funny was that... a sale.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it is funny though to look at the shit. It's like the, some of the stuff was like educational, and then it kind of just all disintegrates into technology and you know you got um connect four that was 1976 connect four jenga starting lineup transformers lego train then you go into the 90s that's where i kind of lose because i was growing up by by then but
0: like how old are you now i'm 44 god you're young (laughs) yeah i'm so young i feel like i'm fucking i feel like i'm an old man the um this fuck dude what are you guys what are you guys getting your kid i didn't get i didn't get success until i was 44 what when did you um what are you guys getting your kids for christmas this year um i think we're gonna get an ipad Ooh. for them to share
1: we'll see how that goes i don't yeah. know my wife's kind of spearheading all that stuff i'm getting you know my my one son's in the legos big time in the legos wait how old um, are your kids my other son wants some Jordans. We get him some Jordans. Uh, eight, seven, and six.
0: So, how does Christmas work for you guys? Do you guys do like a list, and everyone gets like, like? Do you do you have to? Because when you have two kids, you kind of just buy them the same things. But when you have three, and they're all different ages, like ours are two apart, so you know both of them get. I'm getting them both hatchets this year. Yeah, they're both. Like only because I've been throwing axes in my backyard, and I want <laughs> them to throw axes. Dude, I
1: saw you throw one on your show.
0: I a love- couple of them. Yeah, everything we did on everything we did on the cabin. I have here now and I do I do like they were I mean, we get done something and they'd be like uh, the production would be like, hey, uh, we're just going to throw away this sauna. And I was like, hold on, don't throw it away. Please don't throw it away. I was like, I'll take it. And they're like, "Okay," I was like, I'll also take that big tub. And they're like, really? I was like, I'll take whatever the fuck you don't want. like, And and I was like, axes, give me axes, please. Like (laughs) everything. I was like, I'll take it all because. It's all funny shit, bow and arrows. I got like, and so I'm trying I'm trying, I don't know, I'm trying to connect with my kids right now at an older age. So I'm trying to find fun outdoor shit for them. I love that
1: you're trying to connect with your kids, so you're buying them
0: axes. (laughs) Axes and bows and arrows.
1: It's so badass. (laughs) You're just checking out all this huge arsenal. What's going on? Trying to connect with my children.
0: (laughs) Can you help me out to the car?
1: (laughs) (laughs) This crossbow. Uh, no the um the um thing that we do is just um they make a list their lists are obnoxious they're way too long you know especially now all they have is time to want shit so it's like you hand them a catalog and they want everything in it so then i had them rank them i was like, yeah I'll go through here and rank and then hopefully they'll get a couple of their top 10s you know do they have allowances time. they do not have allowances yet they'll do projects to earn but, you know, my eight-year-old is really the only one up for that, my daughter. My yeah. sons don't want to do shit. Like, I, they disappear when I, you know, I'm raking leaves this year, and they come out for, like, the first two seconds, and they
0: destroy the piles, and then they, they're gone. So is your, wife, is your wife going into the office?
1: No, she's not. She's um, working from here. She's gone in a couple times. She's in this appeals division for Cook County. So she is writing briefs. She's basically writing papers all the time. Um, trying to defend arguments and then occasionally she'll have to go to the appellate court and then argue in front of uh the appellate court, which is like three judges. It's like a panel. It's pretty badass. And now they're doing them via Zoom. So she has oh, wow. uh she's had a couple of those.
0: Does um how is it arguing with a lawyer? Oh man, I'm really
1: good at arguing. Really? I don't, I don't back down. I'm pretty south. It's such an asshole.
0: <laughs> no, I mean she um is she good at remembering stuff and like I'm bad at remembering why we're fighting or what was, what it started about. And I end up, I end up veering off into some other, see, now you're gaslighting me. Now you're gaslighting me and you've done this before. And then, and then I'm horrible at arguing.
1: Yeah. I don't mean I'm good at like winning the moment, but I think she wins the, the war, the race, the, you know, life. They just think (laughs) further ahead than us. Yeah. Right. I seen about that the other day. Like, my kids, they go to Catholic school and the boys wear navy pants and like dark shirts because they're fucking slobs, right? Like, the girls are over there, they got white shirts, like, they trust them. They <laughs> <laughs> make the boys, like, I didn't even realize that I grew up wearing that shit, too. It's like they know we're idiots. Just you know what I thought? Slops. You know,
0: I went to an all boys Catholic high school and I, and I went to a private school as a kid where we had to wear uniforms, the girls had to wear uniforms. And I'm telling you, with what's going on with, uh, uh, I don't know the right way to say it, pronouns and trans, uh, gendered rights and, 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 uh, non-binary whatnot and, and dress, I will tell you right now, had I been in grade school and high school at this part of history, I would definitely be an address. I would be an address. <laughs> playing with my balls in class nonstop. I would fucking shitting would be so easy. You just literally just, you don't have to do anything. No, none of you know how many times I've shit on the back of my pants where you're going, I just don't have enough time to get there. And I've shit on the back of my pants on a belt. I just would fucking skirt it. I'd be shitting outdoors, nonstop, never wear underwear, raw dogging it, teabag and everything. I would love it. I would love it. I'm all for this fucking progress.
1: (laughs) They would love that too. That's not what the progress is for. It's not for <laughs> dudes to raw dog at Catholic schools. You know, that's what's happening. I'm on their side because I see the silver lining. K- man,
0: I'm not transgendered because I'm shitting my <laughs> pants a lot. I'm transgender <laughs> because I'm a woman, you fucking asshole. And I'm like, yeah, me too. I'm shitting my pants nonstop. A dress would really cut that in half.
1: I mean, thanks for marching with us. And we, 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 we will take your support, but we are – we're going in a different direction, but yeah. <laughs> looking at this,
0: I think you're looking at this glass half full operation as a, in a different way than we are. I love
1: the kilt idea, though. I remember uh, I went to a Catholic high school, too, an all-boys school, and this kid would wear a kilt every now and then, and he wow. would get just destroyed for it. But he, w- he was like, dude, I'm wearing this. This is, I'm trying to think why he would wear it. Like St. Patrick's Day, was it, or? Not that we we didn't dress up for St Patrick's Day, but anyway, this kid found a way to will wear a kilt every year, and he got a ton of shit for it
0: from the the fellow classmates,
1: yeah, it was all boys' high school early nineties, yeah. like yeah, yeah,
0: you know? uh, yeah, there was no stepping out of out of lockstep like once once everyone did something, you did that shit. I've been trying to work this as a bit forever that um that the clothes i that all the guys we know that wear today those are the shackles of heterosexuality like those no we never got to choose what clothes we want to wear we we chose our clothes based on right. not looking gay like yeah. your friends would be like you're not wearing that shirt are you and you'd be like why it's i thought it would look cool and they're like uh what color are you going to and <laughs> then you're like fine i'll change and then but like an all boys catholic high school man someone told me so we were talking i was talking to someone about getting they were like did you ever get bullied and i was like. You mean beat up in the shower? Yeah, like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Bullying wasn't a word we used. That's like, saying, right. that's like saying, hey man, when you were in Vietnam, was there hazing? And you're like, ah, I don't know. This podcast is brought to you by Fight Camp. Look, I'm trying to work out, and what I can tell you is working out is boring as shit. I keep thinking to myself, I would love to learn boxing. I would love to go to a boxing gym. I can't right now, but this is what's great about Fight Camp. Fight Camp provides boxing and kickboxing workouts and tutorials that keeps you engaged, learning, and excited and motivated. A program that's never boring and always challenging. They bring the boxing gym to your living room with a tech twist. They'll provide you with all the gear, the top trainers, new technology that tracks your punches and everything you need to get great workouts in. The Boxing workout has always been ranked as one of the best ways to get in shape. I remember my dad telling me that. He was like, you wouldn't last three minutes in a fight. Let me tell you something, buddy. Top boxers can't last three minutes. You're not lasting three minutes. And it is honestly one of the funnest ways to combine cardio and strength training. They literally bring the boxing gym to you. It's made for beginners to experienced boxers, all that whole spectrum who want to box from home. It's a great way to learn boxing, kickboxing, or just improve your fitness with authentic workouts, all while learning at your own pace from home. They've got six trainers making all the programs based on their experiences training for fights, and they offer a bunch of different ways to learn, such as their 13-week-long prospect path, where you're taught the punches in a number system, the stance, how to properly throw each punch, and they don't teach you the moves. You actually use them during the intense 15- to 45-minute workout that combines that continues to remind you to pay attention to your form and reinforce all the techniques and build that muscle memory that's so important. Next level motivation. They use new tech that tracks each punch you throw to measure your speed and volume and output so you can compete on a leaderboard with people all around the U.S. or just compete with yourself. And now they've recently released a versus mode where you can challenge anyone to a workout, then go head-to-head and see who wins. I wish Tommy wasn't in the hospital. That seems so much great. So great for our competitive nature. Makes you work out harder without even know you're working out harder. And this is a great holiday gift. Fight Camp is a perfect holiday gift for anyone who wants to take their fitness to the next level or someone who's been struggling with finding a workout that keeps them interested and excited. Fight Camp is a gift for the entire family that they can enjoy and all get competitive on. And here's what's great. They allow you to pay over time a firm financing you can get your fight camp set up right away make easy monthly payments over 24 months and it's yours to keep at the end plus you save on the all the commute and gas that you'd spend like going to the thing and then coming back and it's you save on all that and since you can have up to 5 accounts per household you can get a full boxing gym for the whole house to use fight camp offers flexible financing as low as 0% APR and $0 down and right now for a limited time This holiday, they give you this holiday offer. Get free shipping and a gift valued up to $109 with every Fight Camp package. Just go to joinfightcamp.com slash Burt. That's right. Get free shipping and a gift valued up to $109 with your purchase. Bring an authentic boxing and kickboxing gym right into your house with Fight Camp. To get your free gift, just go to joinfightcamp.com slash Burt com slash Burt.
1: That's so true. Yeah, I mean, it's unavoidable. We, yeah. had, uh, we had that stuff going on for sure, you know? Oh, Looking yeah. Back, then we had it like, with the teachers, too. Teachers would treat us like shit. Coaches would be screaming at us. Coaches? At us.
0: Coaches. <laughs> Coaches were just like seniors that never graduated. They were like just <laughs> dudes who were like I remember. I remember. You talk about dictators earlier, dude.
1: Put high school coaches in that conversation. How they accumulate their.
0: Oh, dude! I remember. I got slapped in the chest by a priest. I got slap. slapped like a Ric Flair slap. He said, "You, Mister Kreischer, are an asshole." And I was. By the way, I was shirtless. I was shirtless. I had, <laughs> I deserved it. I hardcore deserved it. By the way, and I know that there's none. No one. But I'm sure that I. We got to split hair, but there's no one of my daughter's ilk, my daughter's generation that's ever going to go. Yeah, I actually deserve that. They're going to go. I was the victim. I'm right. the, I got slapped in the chest by a priest and I deserved it. I stood at the bottom of the bleachers at a pep rally. And I said to 800, 900 kids, Hey, come on down. And everyone business. <laughs> 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 step anyone who had asthma or a, a limp just got trampled and it was like big kids oh man it was like
1: <laughs> and you had your shirt off then too
0: i i've always been taking my shirt off oh that's so I grew great Florida, though i'm sure i'm gonna get skin cancer <laughs> what's the weather like in chicago right now um like 35 that
1: it's holding since this started like in march dude we've had like unbelievable weather I will say we it was like the best summer. We haven't had too many extremes. I think we'll it'll get bad, you know, coming up here in January yeah. and February will be brutal. But we've been lucky.
0: How uh how how fucking I one of the last shows we did, uh I I did on the tour. One of one of the last shows was in Chicago and it was like thirty five degrees with snow flurries, outdoors. Shirtless. Were you in Hoffman Estates? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Is that the one you did? Yeah.
1: Oh man, I didn't know you got bad weather that
0: night. It was cold oh. as shit. I was freezing. They have nine heaters on stage. They had space heaters on stage. It was, was that brutal? It was, it was it was it was actually funny shit because um, people in Chicago just got out of their cars and were like, "I don't give a fuck." And, and they you were, were
1: shirtless. <laughs> Is your nose running?
0: Uh, no, but I was sick. I was sick, oh, and fuck. and and it's during COVID. The joke I made was, "I have a cough." That's like. That's like walking around a steam room with a hard dick these days going, I've got AIDS. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I it was brutal. How great is it to be in Chicago, though, during the pandemic and not be in L.A.? You
1: know, I just I've always been here, so I don't even know. You know, I just you never. You, you'll man, never leave, right? I don't. I mean, if I had a reason to, I would. Um, but it's funny that, like, more than ever, I feel like, you know, people sounds like people are leaving there um but yeah if i had a reason to be there i, I would move i heard and i like I heard. being here not and and i have you know this is just keeps me busy i got plenty to do here and it's nice being um kind of nice being in in a city where there's not as much
0: um yeah. i just talked to sebastian and he's moving to south dakota to <laughs> start a gopher ranch he was like you know <laughs> it's good money i'm out of here I'm out of he. I'm out of he. I I can't be around him too much, or I start talking like him. <laughs> yeah,
1: like I know. I just, like, when we're on the road, I can't watch the shows. I'll watch like if I know he's doing a new bit, doing new stuff. But otherwise, it just it gets in your uh, right. And if you work with anybody like that, if you work with the same person a lot, you know you just don't want to pick up that cadence.
0: Yeah, I, 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 him and Ian Bag are the two guys that if I spend too much time, I start sounding like them. Or, uh, and, and, and you, and when you talk about them, you can't help but do an impression of them, which sometimes <laughs> is not a flattering impression. Like if you talk about Ian Bag and talk like this, okay. And he's like, that's not what I sound like. And you're like, but when I talk about you, so it's just I do like, okay. Slap her in the tit, moose knuckle, hockey, hockey, moose knuckle.
1: <laughs> I don't know, Ian, but that's a pretty solid impression, dude. I've seen it. Uh, I
0: remember. Uh, I remember Sebastian. The first time I ever met Sebastian, when, when was what when was the first? Tell me about because Sebastian is such an interesting guy. In that, and then I should have probably said this at the beginning, but and I'll say this. But you work with Sebastian. Um, you tour with him for the most part, and he's such an interesting guy because he is a little bit of what comics are made of is that he is hilarious but a lot of times he doesn't know he's being hilarious like i'll tell you my first time i ever met sebastian sure we, we were playing um we were playing softball me and me and uh, all the guys from the store mike young Brett ernst steve burn uh, uh steve renazizi a bunch of us a bunch of us uh we're playing softball at uh home run derby yes yeah. so we were all going to go out to the field and play home run derby and i show up in i want to say maybe cleats but i don't even know maybe just shoes and a and some shorts without a shirt and sebastian is in i mean match all matching an all matching black outfit black neck like he's got like a neck like a a headband (laughs) around his neck he's got wristbands he's got like just shy of like the elbow protector you know eye black the yeah, eye black, he's got gl- black, gl- everything's black and everything's black and fluorescent uh, yellow and he's just putting it on and I thought he was doing a bit I really thought he was doing a bit and I was like, oh that's hilarious, yeah you, if you put all that on, right, and he was like huh, and I go that's fucking hilarious, that looks great and he was like what are you talking about, and I'm like "The all the stuff, that's fucking hilarious and his glove, ma- everything matched and I was like Oh wait, this is who he is. Like this is he's not he's not doing a bit. Like the he's only other person I met like that is Craig Kilburn, who was never do it was just they're really funny, like who they are is really actually funny. Right. And you're like,
1: oh. Yeah, I think that's why he just like is connected so much with these people, right? He just just does his thing, just says how he sees the world the world. And it's just right. It's just like he's just being him. I, I have that's
0: a, the, uh, do you ever run up, do you ever write a bit? And then you go, actually, that's, that's, that's a better Sebastian. I did a bit yesterday. I would not a bit, but I, I had an experience where that was a Sebastian experience. And I went, oh, that's a Sebastian bit. I don't like, if I start doing that, that's, you know, does that ever happen to you?
1: Oh yeah. A lot. Right. Especially if you like find yourself annoyed with something, <laughs> like, you're like, okay, that might, is that going to be, so I'm always trying to make sure I don't want to be, especially cause now he's got kids and you know, I don't yeah. want to be like anything familiar you know, up top. That's kind of like that. So
0: no, I my definitely, wife, we were on vacation, not vacation, but we went, we rented a house. My parents were here and we got a house for them and uh, for the weekend. And, um, and uh, my wife made uh, scrambled eggs for everyone. Just made, just, no one asked, but she just made everyone scrambled eggs. And I got, and I got very Sebastian. I was like, I didn't even know. I was was like, who makes scrambled eggs for everyone? Like, and she was like, what? I go, you don't know how I like my eggs. Like, why would you assume I like dry eggs? I don't like dry. First of all, I don't like dry scrambled eggs. yet you just said, everyone will have eggs the way I want eggs. And I started doing like a Sebastian. And then I'm going, who, who are you? Like, what the fuck? Like, and I'm and I'm like, oh my god, this is a Sebastian. Like, it, I, and then I was like, I wish Sebastian was here so we could just light my fucking wife <laughs> up and be like, I like poached eggs, <laughs> it's a little, a little water.
1: <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, you could uh, like, uh, it, it, who other comics do that to you?
0: Anyone else? Uh, um. It's funny, Segura does, but Segura, do, but Segura, does in a way like I just know him so well that um, Segura is consistently dealing with morons, and so he when he his his I, I, like I can hear bits of his when you deal with a fucking moron, I hear Subur- Segura's voice in my head. Um, burr, anytime Burr,
1: that's another one too, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Because I think that his, he you he just those rants get into your, you know. Yeah, yeah. When and you start and, free thinking,
0: and and you go like, oh, I can't, I gotta think. I, I try. I said to I said to someone one time, I was like, I try to write jokes that n- no one else can write. Meaning, not that they can't write, that they're not smart enough, but just saying like that they're so heavy with my thumbprint that everyone goes, oh yeah, that's a Burt joke. Meaning, a lot of times it's just personal stories. But even then, exactly. You- you run into like you run into territories where you're like where you're like oh uh that is still a shared experience you know like these are all shared experiences but i try to get them so thick with my unique experience that no one can no one can uh can can kind of take from me cuz i had stuff taken earlier when i was younger and i it just, i didn't like it and it was because i was writing too generic i was writing too broad and it was like you know you, you know and 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 then I just got very like, let's just try to find exactly what makes my, and it was one joke. It was one joke I had about, um, about pajamas, about buying my wife, seven pairs of pajamas. And, um, and I didn't even realize it was a joke. I, it was something that was a throwaway for me because it didn't seem like important enough to be a joke. And Adam Eget said, that's one of my favorite jokes you tell. And I went, oh, it's not a joke. And he goes, well, it's the thing that makes me laugh the hardest. And I went, oh. And then I went, Oh, okay. So they don't need to be, I was like, Oh fuck, here I am writing. Like, you know what they hate guys, or you know what guys, let me tell you, like, here I am doing that when this one thing that I'm doing is really working and it changed. I mean, it changed the way I did stand up secret time was secret time was that that was the, that was the, the linchpin in that. I don't know if linchpins, it sounds like a really bad thing, but Lynchpin, I think it's good, right? Puts it together. Yeah. That was the linchpin in that whole hour was that one joke. And I went, Oh. And then I got all these other jokes and I was like, hey man, I can get rid of the setup and just take the thing that's funny out of there and just tell the thing that's funny. Like I don't need to relate it. I like I was spending so much time going, Hey, do you ever notice when you go to and then I was like, Oh, I don't need any of that shit. I'll just tell them what I did. And I was like, "Uh, I and and that was like a game changer for me.
1: But that is how it's never stops evolving, right? You're never stop learning or changing how you do dude, it. Like, dude, I feel good. like yeah. when we went into this whole lockdown, I was the closest. And again, I'm always struggling to get there. The closest to being like authentic up there, like just talking to them, talking with them. And like, that's what you find yourself wanting to do, right? And well, you be, was, your, your was, act
0: does that very naturally. You, Nate Borghazi, Tommy John, again, are all guys that I watch and I just go, God damn it, man! Why that was right there. Like that was that's so good. That's so. And it's it's you guys also have an ability of like of like taking something that we all do. I'm I'm saying the three of you because you guys are all guys that I feel like are in that same fucking like place. I wish I was where it's like you're smart as fuck. You're fucking hilarious, and you're not cursing, and you have across the board mass appeal. Like everyone, your some your comedy is obviously not everyone's comedy is for everyone. Your comedy is for like a lot of people can enjoy it. It's something you can play and you're not going to go. people go, what the fuck is this?
1: Dude, you just gave me my letterman clip of someone endorsing me that I, now I'm going to be like, dude, look what fucking Bert said. No, it's
0: hundred percent true. No, I appreciate that.
1: dude. And being in that, you know, with Tommy and Nate that, and that's, that's an unbelievable. Company. Those
0: are two. I mean, those are, those are two guys that you, all three of you are guys that I saw. On, and I saw at times when I was like, um, I'm pretty fucking hilarious, and then I see you guys, and I'm like, God damn it, I'm not funny at all. Like I don't know what. The oh fuck yeah. My shirt off and going. I never tell you about the time I click. <laughs> but like, and yeah, then I get, you, uh, I get uh, that's annoyed. Why, that's I get why I'm weird.
1: on Netflix all the time, and and <laughs> you're.
0: <laughs> well, wait, wait, your news, no, but really, though, what I wanted try. to say,
1: what Go I ahead. want to say about that writing, though, do you find like this? Okay, so you did get to perform a lot this summer, yes. and I'm I'm jealous of that because you want to be keep you know have that muscle going. Now I find that I'm like back to. Writing again, because it can't perform, and that's that's kind of frustrating, right because it's almost like now you just like write down notes like I want to talk about this, but it's like you want to talk about it, you don't want to write about it, you know what I'm saying yeah yeah
0: yeah i uh I had this last the last three shows I did were my most fun, but it was because I knew I wasn't going to get it go on stage, so I just started emptying out the book, whereas like earlier, I had to learn how to do stand up in front of a In front of it at a drive-in and then towards the end i really had gotten rid of all any preconceived notions or all ego and i was like i was like oh i i know they're enjoying i know they're laughing like if if you couldn't hear them like in like our last night in san francisco it was so fucking cold and the san francisco and it was so cold it was so windy that you couldn't hear anything it was whipping wind and i was and at that point i was like I'm good. I actually uh, am totally comfortable. I know the experience they're having. I, I've done this enough in these things. It had been if it had been my first one, I would have been melting down. But I really emptied out the book and I took I took a joke. I have this long winded joke about it's a true story about um, I swallowed a fly in um, in Alabama, <laughs> and like it flew down my throat during and I, this. Th- Oh, no, no. This is oh, really? an old bit I tried to work. I tried to work out. And and it was one is where, where, where you talk about evolving. I got into a, a very bad habit of making sure everything had a beginning, middle and end and making sure everything wrapped up neat and nice like a bow. And I wanted everything to be compartmentalized. But it, what it did is it turned every bit I hit it had into like 10 minutes. Like so nothing could just flow and just move. And, and, and it was, it was a bad habit. And, um, and I think I was guilty of that a little bit at the beginning of this tour. And then I got to a place where I got back to like, just pull the meat. It's an old Barry cast. My first manager was like, was like, I remember he made me do his, my set, a 10 minute set in front of him. And he was, I remember he kept going, why are you like, just me and him in a room, just oh, go, man? all right, do it. And then I go, uh, I go, hard, Oh, right? oh. I'll tell you what, man, it, you want to talk about economy of words? He took 10 minutes, whittled it down to five and then said, give me two more jokes and then whittled it down to seven. And he was like, I was like, that's all my material. And he goes, and it's seven minutes. I remember it fucked my head up. And then I started going like all these extraneous words. It's a great, but it's a great learning lesson. When you do a special to just go through and just go, Let's cut the fucking words out. Let's get all these words out. Like, and there's so many, I, I don't mean to be, I don't, I don't, I definitely don't know everything and I don't know. And I don't presume to know everything, but man, you watch a lot of specials. A lot of people do not do the work for a special. They don't do the actual work. They put the material together. They take it on stage. It seems to work well. Bam. We're murdering. We got it. Not realizing that they can take what they do on stage and make it so much better, so much better if they just go and then go, oh, wait, I can take all this other stuff and just jam it in. Like I'm so obsessive compulsive about a special. I start, I, 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 the second I agree to do one, I work every day until it, meaning every day I say, put me in one nighters everywhere you can in between. I will not see my family for three months. That's it, and I. Do you have
1: a date set for when you're to tape your next one?
0: No, I don't. I have no plans on taping another one. I don't. I mean, and I can Can be honest with you. I'm not ready for it.
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. I mean, I mean, just be the world being what it is. But I want to ask you this: when you so go back to March before we're sent home, right? Yeah. How much of the stuff that you were doing in March are you still doing? And is there any of it that like you're just like this is not. Relatable as much anymore, so I'm not, I'm going to wait till things kind of snap back.
0: Oh no, yeah. all, uh, all all of it. I mean, I, I so I did my last special, Hey Big Boy. I filmed in November, and I had a tour plan for January 30th, and we shot the cabin all through January. So December, I toured like a motherfucker to write a new hour to be ready for January, and then we shot the cabin. I did sets every. Night that I what we had off on the cabin, I would go tr- go in, try to find do a set, and uh, and I tr- and I jam packed what was a new hour. And then the first two weeks of touring, I was like, I was like, kind of putting it together, but it was, but my my special hadn't aired yet, so I could lean on the old stuff to like, but yeah. like I had, I would like you know thirty minutes and then thirty minutes and then you know the machine, and by the time my special aired, I had a brand new hour. But that's when the pandemic hit, but it was all, none of it. it's all still very relatable. There were certain things like uh, that I had to change, like going, um, um, I was at, a, I was at someone's house for dinner and everyone's like, mm, when did you go to someone's house for dinner? And you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, right. but and now I have, I have a new hour, but I don't love it. I, I, I think it's acceptable. I think it's really good. I think there's parts of it that are good. Is that but, what you're going to call it? W- acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> parts of this are good <laughs> this will do uh not, let's not put a fine point on it the um i'm going to call it low effort thinking
1: <laughs> that is fucking perfect
0: low effort thinking the um the but i i literally was like i'm ready to get back into clubs i want i'd like to, i'm ready to get back into clubs i'm not i, I mean i'm i want to do another theater tour in in uh, in the in the in the summer when you know pandemics out but i'm yeah. really excited for like inoculate or vaccinations and then clubs to be like we're wide open and then going in and you know i've I've always said this but i think it's our responsibility as guys who can sell theaters to go in and do some clubs to kind of help boost the economy and uh and get them up back up and running but um that's great but what um, are your
1: favorite clubs
0: uh s- s- Pro- that's an interesting question. I know I'm. I know I'll misspeak when I say this. I, haven't I still done-
1: haven't done Comedy Works downtown, and I had a a week there that was wiped out in May. She had me. Wendy had me out in the um, the suburban
0: room, and I, I can't wait to do that club. I heard that's great. Uh, I did that. That was a pretty amazing club. Wendy's a pretty amazing woman, and I yeah, yeah. she's awesome. Um, I love I love Comedy Works. I love Wise Guys. I loved. All the heliums. Uh, well, I loved all the heliums. I was going to say St. Louis, but so you know, that's we'll take it. Um, <laughs> heliums, great Buffalo helium in, in
1: particular. I really love.
0: Um, you know, I, I. It's funny the old Brea Improv was like probably my my home club. That and Irvine were like my two home clubs because I just I performed there so much. I was so comfortable on those stages.
1: I just did those for the first time. Those rooms are. Amazing. Well,
0: oh, Brea, Brea's new club is massive. Or is it the Irvine one that I did? Irvine. Yeah. Yeah. Irvine is fucking amazing as well. Those, yeah, those are, those were like my home clubs. And then all of them kind of, you know, the last stop in Houston, which is no longer around, was a fucking great club. Oh, yeah. But I, but I really loved like, I loved when I was younger, I loved chaos. So if there was chaos in a room, then. <laughs> Then it was like then I was like, Oh, this is my room. Like the Miami improv. I think a dude got stabbed at one of my shows there. Like
1: This <laughs> just saw that video of Cigar stabbing you. Oh god. <laughs> oh my
0: goodness. <laughs> Fuck up, man. Have you have you heard what happened? I, no. Oh. Oh, he is he um we were playing basketball and he went up for a dunk and um He can Halston. Hold on. Halston, you may need to edit this out pending on when we air this, okay? So he goes up for his dunk and his patella ruptures and blows out his knee, falls, breaks his fucking arm in half. This oh. one right here just goes snap and his arm was spun like like 400 degrees around. Skin was twisted and Is he's in the hospital right now dude yeah yeah he's uh five hours of surgery um that sucks all because of a dunk contest but to answer your question he can dunk just not every time (laughs) he uh he yeah he was he dunked on a nine foot fucking rim and they cranked it up to nine three and they're like yo uh uh, let's see if we can get it up here. And I'd already given up. I already stopped. I couldn't get it. And Segura got up on nine three and went. And the guy told him, he's like, he got to really fucking push extra hard. And he did. Blew out his patella. I mean, he's gonna be in rehab for a while. Yeah, he's in the hospital right now. I've been. I went. I went to the hospital. Spent. Spent the day with him getting him checked in, and it was a. Uh, it was a. It was a really, really, really. it brutal. Not to say that. Not to say that I'm. Uh, not to say that I'm. Uh, trying to steal his thunder but I've had anxiety about it it's been fucking me up pretty bad (laughs) because I watched I went from I went from us playing a game yeah emergency like to an emergency and then that I'm trying to quantify it but to see that quick of a shift in everything in emotion in in energy and in an evening where things were going so good and then they went so bad so immediately it went from it went from dude did you just dunk with two hands on a nine-foot rim Dude, you have fucking major ups to call nine one one, and it, it like in, in an instant, in an instant. Oh, so fucking bad.
1: Oh so man, I'm bad. sorry to know, hear that.
0: My best friend. So like, I'm like, I fucking, I it it fucked me up. I mean, it, it obviously, it fucked him up. You know, it, it, he's in the hospital. I'm sure he's dealing with it. It's all happened to him. But and and but and then you
1: think about all the shit they you know because they got kids, right?
0: Two kids, yeah. Yeah,
1: and the parenting aspect of that, and dealing with all, you know, it's a that sucks.
0: He's uh, I mean, hopefully we do a two bears one cave this week. Hopefully this will come out next week, and uh, and we'll have talked about it. But it it was um, it was very intense, and you know, you and you get, I you know, I think it it me and Tom are very close, and we've always been pretty close. But man, when you want to talk about Close, like we it was it was a it was a it was an it was an it was a very fascinating experience to go through with a friend. And I told him I said, when I have my heart attack, I expect you to do the same for me. <laughs> oh come on, dude! I go, to, I go to the I go to the cardiologist Thursday, and what's crazy is that t- experience with Tom watching people get carted in in emergency into an ER. Um, you realize, oh, that this does speak volumes of preventative medicine of going in and getting early detection, finding out what's wrong with you, getting in front of everything instead of letting it happen to you and being a guy who has a I mean I just saw some God forbid this poor woman's f- husband had a stroke at 40 and and just passed away. And you're like, fuck man, no, you got it. you gotta get in front of it and it sucks to get in front of it. I'd rather not know and I feel fine. What do I know well, come on? why do I need to know? I don't I'd rather not know. just you know, but fuck I got I have a cardiologist appointment Thursday and then another one Tuesday to go in
1: Are and, I, and I,
0: test? I, I do no. I've I think I've already done my stress tests um I think I've already done all my st- I, I'm going in for a CT scan so uh-huh. I go in they just check all the they check what uh what calcium you or you know you've accumulated in your heart and your and your
1: lock- and this is completely preventive this is n- not wasn't suggested by like your MD or anything.
0: No, it's, it's I've done, I did one five years ago. I'm doing another one. I do them every five years. And then that's just basically, it's basically to see what kind of blockage you have to prevent strokes and heart attacks. And then smart. You know, I have a cardiologist. I go to every nine months and, uh, and then I get a physical every year. So that's but, good. But still, you're always like fucking, you know, you just, I don't know. Do you, do you go to the doctor? I go when I have to, but I, there's,
1: there's some of that. And, um, you know, Irish Catholics, we, we kind of um, like,
0: <laughs> you don't have to tell we're, me. We're <laughs> good. Yeah. You're like, oh, dude, I dude, I did. I switched over to wine. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, but I, I do go. No, I do. I do go when I have to go. Yeah. I figure with a wife, that's a lawyer you'd have, you'd she, I feel like she's like, she's like, I booked a dentist appointment for you. And you're like, Oh, okay. That was, yeah. I, I used to have a joke about that where I said, um, I said, Oh, um, oh, I was about my wife, about my wife landing me and I was like a wild stallion. And she's like, she goes, she gives you, I was an, a horse and the whole thing about when a wife catches you, she has carrots, carrots are blowjobs. And she's like, there you go. There you go. And you're like, this isn't that bad. And then one day she's like, you know, you should wear khakis. And you're like, what? khakis? And then she's like, no, calm down, calm down. And then all of a sudden the petting makes sense. And you're like, yeah, maybe I should go to the dentist more than once every 15 years. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't That's it. funny, dude. By no, the way, by like the way we've been on, we've been on for two hours and 15 minutes. We should probably wrap this up. I know. Uh, you're- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I have kids. Um, we could do this again, man. I I'd, I'd love talking to you, Pat.
1: Oh, you too, Bert. I mean, I appreciate it, dude. It was, nope. uh, I was fired up when they said you were going to have me on. And uh, this, this is big for me, dude. This is uh, great to be on your podcast, man.
0: Well, thank you for doing it. Your special is uh, Comedy Dynamics produced it, correct? It is on yes, all platforms. It, it is. is Amazon, um, Apple, Apple TV. Every, it's yeah. on everywhere. And is it, did I, are there clips on YouTube? Yes, there are. Yeah, I, sure I, I, watched, yeah. I watched a bunch of it um, on YouTube last night. And then randomly, uh, right. I, I, did you do this podcast? You did this. Like four months ago, correct? It came out in July, yeah, we taped it, it last year. I saw it in July. I saw it in July because you you were so fucking fucking hilarious. I, I remember watching you at the foreman thinking, how does he not get a development deal right out of this? Like this is like you murdered. And I was like, oh man, I was and I was so impressed because I was like, if Sebastian said to me, Hey, man, do you want to do ten minutes? I couldn't. and i and by the way, I had never done, but I, I was like, I was like, I would be overwhelmed with yeah, right. stress of the, the fucking performing in the round in a for, in the forum was so amazing. Dude. I was AC green. They were
1: there to see magic Johnson. And I was, I was Kurt Rambis. I was like, let this, let me get, let me not turn the ball over. Let me get yeah. a couple of rebounds. That was cool for me, man, just to be in that venue. Cause I'm a, you know, I grew up a huge fan of the NBA and that's yeah. where the, the Bulls won their first title, the LA Forum, I and mean, that place is iconic. That was really, that was cool. It was great seeing you there that night, too, man.
0: Yeah, it was great. And I, and I, I want to say, like, I, right when your special came out, maybe Sebastian put a tweet out or something, or someone, I saw a tweet about it and I went, oh shit, I'm going to go check it out. And I want to say, I saw clips on YouTube and I was like, oh, wait, oh, and I was like, please say he put it on YouTube. And then I, and then I ended up catching up with more of them last night. And then, uh, and then I told my wife, I was like, yo, we should watch this tonight on Amazon. It's on Amazon uh, prime, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's called when's mom going to be home?
1: Yeah. It's fantastic. which was uh name before the pandemic because
0: now it's like, when is mom not going to be fucking
1: home? <laughs> when's dad not going to be home? When can we get the hell out of here?
0: Well, I'll tell you what, next time when things open up and you come out here, I would love to have, I would love to have you and your wife at our new podcast studio with me and my wife. Oh and dude,
1: that watch. would be incredible. Yes. I mean,
0: Yes, that'd be fun, man. I got a real kick out of your wife when she was on, when she was on uh, television with you, do on that morning show in Chicago. And she's got, <laughs> your wife's got such a Chicago accent too. She does,
1: yeah, she does, man. It's she comes in hot with the Chicago. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> hey, thank you for doing this, man. Congratulations on the special. Um, we'll make sure to direct everyone where to see it in the intro. But this I has been appreciate a lot. it, Bert. I again, I,
1: I'd love to. Thanks so much, dude. Congrats to you and everything you got going, man. Love it.
0: Thanks, Pat. Happy holidays. Hey, well,
1: you too, buddy. Take Bye. care. Bye.
0: This episode was brought to you by The Machine.